This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by comicbookclick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, can you please introduce yourself? I am Dan the Host Man. Dan the Host Man, one of my favorite uh, co-hosts here as part of the Major Issues Podcast, and we're here to tackle a little something, uh, you know, up front. I, I wasn't sure why you wanted to tackle this. I went and I got my notes uh, for it. I saw it. Wasn't my favorite thing. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to tackle Stargirl, a 2020 American jukebox musical romantic drama film <laughs> based on the novel of the same name on Disney+. Plus. I don't know why you wanted to do this, of all things. And I watched this entire thing. There's a ukulele. It's a whole, it's, it's a whole thing. It's it's out of control, um, but I guess we were going to depart a little bit from comic books and talk about this. Does that make sense? Is that is that is that what's hot if in the you streets? Watch, hey, if you watch the wrong thing, you watch the wrong thing. I don't know what to tell you. Unless you Ladies. meant and the actual Star Girl that's on DC Universe, I believe it might be. Well, it's not on HBO Max now, but it's actually on CW or. Uh, was able to debut on CW. Um, I sort of, kind of did watch the wrong thing, so I'm going to relinquish my hosting duties to you, <laughs> sir, because seemingly you are a way more ahead of this than I am. Uh, it's been a hell of a week here at Comic Book Click, um, but I have seen the Star Girl TV series. I'm a little familiar with the Stars and Stripes comic, so I think I can I can be a hell of a co-host anyway. But you have the reins, sir. What do you want to talk about when it comes to Star Girl? Well, I think the first thing we should definitely talk about is just automatic praise of this new comic book show of 2020. Because, oh my God, everybody that is listening, this is hands down the best thing to come out of 2020. Like debut wise, not season twos or threes or fours. Mm-hmm. Debut, this is the best thing to have happened this year with all things considered and it came out in the middle of a pandemic from like may to august do we have yes. any 2020 debuts for when it comes to comic book television shows i know we saw a couple of season twos even some season threes that we were able to cover um is no. this one of the first this is it okay this would be that this would be the debut of a 2020 comic book product we don't have a comic book TV show that's new. I don't even. What did we have this year, pre-pandemic? Sorry, post-pandemic. Nothing. Well, I we know that. Much. Like that before the pandemic, we had Batwoman. I guess you would say was was a big deal. Um, Runaways, I think, had just did season three. Um, but then, but you know, Runaways got canceled, and then uh, Batwoman. They changed the Batwoman and stuff. Star Girl is a relatively new-ish property in the same sense that we tackled Jessica Jones last week. That character is roughly 20 years old. I think it's the same thing with um, Court, uh, or at least the character yeah. of Stargirl. Courtney Whitmore was only created in July of 1999. 
Yeah. So look, um, she's she's just old enough to vote now. Is that how that works? Was that eighteen? She's she's old enough to drink. She's old enough to drink. Ladies she's twenty one years old. Courtney Whitmore is officially twenty one years old this year. So, um, I'm not gonna lie. Um, out of the two of us, I find that sometimes you enjoy the more dour forms of entertainment, but this was a spoonful of sugar. Why do you think you uh, reacted so positively to Stargirl? Um, and do you think that the series itself uh, gained anything by dropping the episodes week to week as opposed to dumping the whole series? I think it did do something. Well, like the good dropping it week to week, okay. especially with a lot of the cliffhangers that they had. Right. There was a lot of dope cliffhangers in this series in this season that made me say, damn, now I really have to wait for next week. Do I really have to? Wait? Like, I understand that we have been so spoiled with binging. Right. Everybody as a society has been so spoiled with binging where you get something and it's an, a Netflix exclusive. You know, it's so easy to tell somebody that Umbrella Academy season two dropped today as opposed to telling somebody, yo, the first episode of Stargirl dropped today. Yeah, it's. 100% easier for someone to sit back because now they have their choice whether they want to watch it all in 13 hours or do they want to just watch two episodes here, four episodes there. They get the choice to eat the information at their own pace. Yeah. Now, as far as what what was it about this show for me, it was during it was when we were covering news. And okay. you wanted to talk the first episode of Stargirl. And I watched this first episode and everything just felt so happy. It felt, you know, wholesome. You like, know, you're, I could, you're, I, we're 150 episodes in. I completely forgot that, yeah, we were supposed to cover something that didn't go through. And we ended up having to, we did some DC News and we covered the first episode of Stargirl. So if you wanted an extended uh, opinion on just that pilot and what how a pilot can get somebody amped up for the rest of the series that's all we have that that's all there this is going to be more of a uh, a glance over the entire season and what we think worked and what we think didn't and what can eventually uh be set up for the future because that's something that i noticed i with a rewatch is that there's so much set up for the future that they don't ever really you know like they don't make a big point to be like oh well this person's still here this person's still here or you know, uh, name dropping these characters, these villains, these heroes. Um, I I think what I liked about it was the first of all, um, we don't have many female centric superhero television at shows. All. Not none like this. Like this, none at this none age like as this. well. So you, it, it's a, it's already a a a big deal that there's more representation of women in superhero television. Um, we saw, like we said, we covered last week Jessica Jones season one, and like um, I told you last week, that that was that was a perfect representation for like the mid twenties, thirty year old modern day American woman who's gone through her trials and her tribulations and her abusive relationships. This is gonna, this is representation for the kid, for yeah. the girl, the the fifteen year old girl that that wants to go out for tryouts that wants to talk to the boy that wants to stand up to her parents you know this is this is going to be a show that's for like my sister growing up my two little sisters growing up like this that's what got me so hooked onto star girl it's like wow i have never seen a show represent the young female angst before like this is perfect female angst but it's also not like daria levels 
No, it's not. It, it, it's not. It's not nihilism. It's not like, oh, nothing matters. I don't care. This is just a young, headstrong, focused girl. Right. And the thing is, like, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, and Jessica Jones, who, you know, all prominent females who have had their own series or films, um, those are types of women. You know, we can't just, you know, blanket the entire gender with saying that there's only one kind, you know. And um, while those three are prominent personalities that exist, you know, in the zeitgeist now, it's important that we, especially for the younger, for the youth, um, it, it's real easy to see Diana become a, a child in training and then yada, yada, and now she's a full-grown adult who's perfect, right? It, 100%. It, um, it's harder to actually live those years of development, make your mistakes, you know, scrape the formative knees, years, yes, the, the, those years that build you, that help you grow. Right, and they definitely do that with Court here. And Courtney comes from a broken home. That's what's so amazing about it is that it may it this show finds a way to appeal to every kind of girl while still giving us the representation of the female of the young teenage female gender or if whatever female kind of gender you are it doesn't no, matter no i think that that's a that that's perfect and i think that that actually extends but before we get into um that theme because i do think that's a theme that's throughout the series um what do you know at slash what do you think of the Stars and Stripes series that this is based on? Well, Stars and Stripes created by Jeff Johns is, while I was reading it, I knew why I loved Stargirl. While it, reading, you were reading it and watching it at the same time, right? Like as, as no, the no, no. Were... Uh, as soon as it ended, I started reading it. Oh, okay. Because it ended and I was empty. You know how it is when... <laughs> when something and when something like ends and you're just empty, you have nothing else. Yeah. So I just felt empty that Star Girl was ended, and I have to wait a whole year or who knows because it's pandemic time. So this isn't like if Star Girl came last year, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh come man, I gotta wait like six months. You know, by the time summer next year comes, Star Girl will be here. No, we're in a pandemic. So I don't even know when the next season is <laughs> going to come. And now it's not even going to be on, on D- DC anymore. It's going to be on HBO CW. Oh, CW, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to need – I needed more uh, product of the Stargirl brand. So Was I it went back. Oh, uh, no, actually. Pretty it's pre- the, the only thing that's more different is, I guess, because it, this is a ongoing issue series, like I think it was like weekly or monthly. I think it was monthly. You need to watch Courtney grow. So she was very much more angsty and mean. And yeah, like, she was kind of a jerk. <laughs> she Especially was pretty. To Pat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was a big jerk to Pat. And really, the show. I like how what the show did is where you only get like the first episode mm-hmm. where she's like a jerk to Pat. Then come the second episode, it's like now they're covering for each other when they both walked in with a, with a black eye. <laughs> and they fell down the they're both like, stairs. we fell down the stairs. Yeah. So <laughs> right. it's like, now they're covering for each other. He's looking out for her. She's being all, this is my sidekick stripesy. And I'm like, this is, Oh, it's so beautiful. Jeff Johns is one of my favorite comic book creators ever. Cause he just gives me reasons to not be dour. He gives me reasons to be wholesome. I read his work and I'm just happy. 
Yeah, so and this a, is obviously uh, something that's incredibly close to him. I think we mentioned in the debut episode when we were talking about the pilot that um, yes. this, that Courtney was modeled after uh, Jeff Johns' late sister, Courtney Elizabeth Johns. So um, same name, Court. Courtney, no, it's actually it's Courtney Elizabeth Whitmore. So it's the same two first and uh, middle name. So this was always a project that was very close and near and dear to uh, Johns. I heard initially at one point they were thinking about making this show a Stargirl show. Or maybe a Stars and Stripes show, but they couldn't green light getting like the CGI or the robotics to make Stripesy, and so John's like, then I don't want to do it. Like if we no. if we ain't going through Stripesy, then they gotta want to do it. So he like held out for this for this series that we're gonna talk about today. So no, I one hundred percent understand that if you can't do it right, then we're not doing my show because this was this show is the comic series is a love letter to his late sister and. Yeah. I'll be damned if anybody's going to mess up my comic book I made for my late sister. I will be all the way damned. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've seen, I've seen um, this character in live action in um, Legends of Tomorrow. Very briefly, the JSA makes an appearance. The JSA has been making appearances now in the comics recently. And I think in general, it's just another tool in the tool chest of DC. With all these very, you know, the Teen Titans, uh, Suicide Squad, uh, Justice League, Justice League Dark. And now if they can uh, ingratiate an entire generation to the JSA, that all those books now become more valuable, right? All those heroes now become upper tier. And it starts with characters like Stargirl. And instead of deciding that they were going to introduce, you know, the OG versions of the JSA, I think that they did something pretty cool creatively, which is like set up another generation of the JSA and in many ways another generation of the Injustice Society. In a weird way, it's like Stargirl kind of started the future state. Yeah. I'm and just it, putting it up. Well for I'm the JSA, definitely, you know, for that for that group for that that team. The bad, the good. You literally the... have an entire brand new cast of characters taking up known mantles. Young, diverse kids, you know, a Spanish girl, a black girl, a white guy, blonde, white, white girl. So you're kind mm. of covering all your bases if you really want to think of it. But yeah, you, it's really, it's kind of funny how seeing this new JSA in Stargirl and then seeing how Future State is coming where you have the new Wonder Woman out and this new Superman, it's like, Damn, is Stargirl, like, you know, already starting trends without realizing? Yeah, right. Um, but no, this is, um, what are we going to, I want to start off with uh, Courtney. I want to talk all about Courtney. Because... Yeah, let's gush about the uh, lead of the series, uh, Breck Bastinger. Am I saying that right? I'm assuming it's Bastinger. Yeah, I'm Breck assuming Bastinger or Basinger. Yes, uh, a former Nickelodeon child. Texan. I had no idea who this girl even was. I had no like. She made I her debut. She her made her before. acting debut in 2013. On uh, she was on two episodes of The Goldbergs. Oh God. Yep. Then it just seems like a bunch of Disney TV roles, right? School of Rock. Oh, she was in 47 Meters Down, the sequel. <laughs> Sure. But, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. 100%. Yeah. She sure. was totally in that. Uh, but to me, it was a relative unknown. And like I said, with the idea of, you know, Stargirl to me was kind of a relative unknown. So it was going to be her introducing this character very similarly. Uh, and not to 
become a broken record so soon into the cast, but very similarly to Jessica Jones. Like, this was going to, her portrayal of this character was going to educate and inform so many people as to what the comings and goings are of Courtney. Oof. 100%. 100%. And it's, it's beautiful here because not many people get a chance to uh, debut and seemingly have a breakout performance as a comic book character. Right. Especially in now today, most of the comic book characters, most of the comic book shows and movies I'm seeing are from well-seasoned actors. You know, Joaquin Phoenix, Ben Affleck, like these are well-seasoned actors. Even people like Jessica Jones, you know, Kristen Ritter was a well-seasoned actress. So to be able to debut and knock it out of the park within seconds of this show starting, we get Christmas music and a JSA ISA battle. Yeah. Like they, they knew instantly that they had one chance to wow you. And they start off with a, with Christmas wrappings, like a great song. Yeah. <laughs> and then a fight, which right. within that fight is if you like pay attention, you could see so many Easter eggs from Jay Garrick's helmet to seeing Henry Thomas, my man, Henry Thomas, actually in the Dr. Midnight suit. Yeah. It's only a second. It's literally a second. And all he says is stripesy, but you get to see the actor, Henry Thomas, actually in a comic book. Charles something. Charles. Charles Niner. Niner? Niner? Not Charles. Charles Miner's from uh... (laughs) The Office. Yeah, from The Office. Jesus Christ. Uh, Charles McKnighter. Yes, you're right. Charles McKnighter. Charles McKnighter. I'm trying to very much say that name in as very slow and pronunciated as possible so no one hears anything that they want to hear. I completely understand. Um, Charles McKnighter. So why do you think they chose to go a, a little bit softer with Courtney in this? They also chose to do something that doesn't happen in the comics, which is create this mystery over whether or not Courtney, um, Courtney's father is actually Stargirl. I actually oh, sorry, like man, the sorry. whole mystery. <laughs> I like the whole mystery aspect of it. Yeah, because they kind of. If you really think of it, they kind of did both set up everything in the same day by having the ISA and JSA fight the same night that Courtney's dad seemingly goes missing. Yeah. And then if you look at her locket, that kind of does look like a picture of Joe McHale. Right. And then when you finally meet the father, he does look kind of like, you know, from quick glance, hey, is that Starman? Like, you know, you would think. Right. But... If some like I'm not gonna say that I'm the I'm a biggest comic book fan ever. I read Stars and Stripes before this show. No, it, but anybody that happened to read Stars and Stripes before this show would already know who the father is. I didn't see like online like you know like riots or anything over this over this change, um, in general. And to be honest, while Starman may have his fans. I don't think they outnumber the amount of <laughs> like DC fans that are willing to sit and don't mind the creative uh, changes that end up getting made. No, towards isn't it. that funny that they end up make doing a lot of changes from the comics to the show, and it's still it. There's no consequences to it. We talk about it almost every week. It's not about the changes that you make; it's about 
the feel that the that, that it still has. It still has to have that feel. And I, to totally honest with you, if I'm going to be real honest, I think to make Courtney and like fully uh, an ass and hate Pat for most of the show would have done a disservice to the kind of character that they were introducing with Courtney Whitmore. Because at least in comics, you know, you can you can keep pushing that and you don't know how long your series is going to go. Like Constantine's ran for like 30 years. Yeah. You know, you never know where your your comic is going to go. So you can keep, keep doing that where you make Courtney this kind of way until she goes through her own change. Where a show, you know, you only have 42 minutes. You only have 13 seasons. That's only like two weeks. You know, you, you, know, you only got a certain amount of time to make a character change. So to have her instantly get the suit and instantly headstrong call to action was a great change and it still keeps the same feel of how Courtney was in the book when she found the suit and did the whole call to action I think that um, in in making her in making this mystery about star man and whether or not it's uh, court's father um, what it changes in the series now I think about it is that it changes the point of contention between her and Pat right because I think in the series she just doesn't like Pat she doesn't like the idea that there's a, that she has a new dad uh, she has a stepdad um, and so there's no room for him here <laughs> in the show she's willing to make room for him so long as he helps her get revenge for Starman um, so there's a willingness to be teams for that reason as opposed to um in the comic where he's kind of like her babysitter, like he's like following around uh, in the suit. So I wonder um, if you took away that mystery of the Starman thing, if she would have been a bigger jerk on the show, because she would have just had no reason to ever like Stripesy. Uh, no, one hundred percent. Like it, that's what she was like in the comics, where right. there was no mystery that Starman could or could not be her father. So he didn't. She, she just, didn't really need his help. So there was no reason to be nice to him. You understand what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. But and that's what and that's how she was. She immediately found the suit, and she's just like, "Who? Hmm, I'm gonna be this. I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna be this." Like when he when she wears the suit in the show, she doesn't go in all Pat's face and it's like, "Yeah, I found it, and now what?" You loser. <laughs> you loser sidekick. Like none of that happens. Um, but yeah, you have this woman, you have this girl, woman, um, and, uh, she's, she, let's, I guess we could talk about it now then. Um, when I was doing the rewatch, I realized that while, uh, while like the common, like Disney, sometimes even superhero trope is that the, a parent dies, right? Or both parents die and you're, well, you're on an uncle and then your uncle dies. But, um. There's usually a, a a marked tragedy that happens uh, to these heroes, and what I found that was interesting when I look back at Stargirl is that a lot of the protagonists, the young protagonists, um, have problems at home, and whether or not, I mean, they range from everything to abuse, right, to neglect, um, to even being too spoiled, <laughs> uh, and while they're not all as deep and dark as death, like the death that you would see in, like, let's say, Spider-Man, um, it puts them in a weird position. Because kids that age, and I use the word kids loosely, I don't use it to, like, d disparage anybody, um, kids that age don't know what to do with that information. Right? They don't know what to do with 
well, I love my dad, but I don't know. He has he didn't come back when I was five. Or I don't know where my parents are, and this guy does feed and clothe me, but he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> or my parents love me. Do they love me too much? Are they too, you know, involved? Like That's all... the whole beautiful part about Well, not beautiful part about that. That's, you know, the young mind. That's the young yeah. adult, like, anxiety. That's all of our worries. Yeah. And so and they, these kids have real issues. They don't have the life-altering trauma that a Thor would. But to them, in their world, you know, that, that I know, starts I think Wildcat has a bit of a life-altering trauma. Oh, yes. Yes, he does. Uh, and the thing is, we don't know. Before this show, I can honestly say that some of the things, but it also deals with what I choose to watch, the media I choose to watch. But I had never really seen um, ways to deal with the issues that they've dealt with on the show. Like at one point they're they're talking about um what's his face? Um our man, Rick Tyler. Yep, Rick Tyler. And you know, he he almost gets in like a fist fight with his guardian. His uncle. And then his mother's oh, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for the rest of that, he like he constantly just wants to fight. And they tell him, like, you can't and he says he admits to it, like I just wanna hit things. And there are people like that in this world. There are people like that who have that much inner pain that they can't seem to, you know, channel it any other way. And, and it was become... all shown perfectly on yeah. Stargirl. Yeah. I just wanted to just get that out there so everybody knows that this show is perfect. I'm smi- I'm literally smiling. I'm <laughs> up early. It's, I don't know if the fans know this, but it's, it's morning time for it's us. It's morning time. If you hear this episode on Wednesday, uh, November 18th, we would have just recorded this hours before. Like I said, I, I, spent, I spent too long watching that other Stargirl movie, and now now we're in this position. So I don't know what happened, man. I don't know <laughs> why you did our that. signals got crossed. Uh, it was the whole brainwave of it all. But do you? Uh, what else would you like to talk about when it comes to Courtney? How about that suit? Okay, the suit is amazing. Absolutely, fam- like the fabric when it shows up close when she's making the suit. Yeah, looks great. And when it's on her, it's it, it's like it's like a, a starlight in a sense, yeah. Because it's it is I, I want to use the words revealing right because we we know Brett Basinger is over twenty one, yes. You know, but Courtney Whitmore is still a fifteen year old girl, so I'm trying to not look at a fifteen year old character. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I I do think that um, the drawings are a bit flattering. I do think that if you look back at the Stargirl comic, I don't necessarily think that she looks like a 15-year-old girl. Not at all. At least 19, the youngest. And so you add that plus a overly angsty attitude, and she feels more like a, like almost a young adult. You know, like a, just a real angsty, I, I can't wait to move out of this house person. But the portrayal on the show is way different. She... She might be a little bit standoffish, but she has reason to. She believes that there is something that the people are hiding from her <laughs> when it comes to her father. Um, and then this new guy shows up, moves them out of California, which is that's, I think that's the biggest part of her story that people need to understand as well, is that this was a California girl. She gets yes, moved from this... California to Blue Valley in Nebraska? Yeah, can you imagine going from... <laughs> I mean, I'm in Cal- New York. It's Cali. basically California. I couldn't go to Nebraska. Nothing wrong oh, with yeah, anybody in Nebraska. New York would basically be the same feel. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's a... It's a culture shock. 100%. And it shows even Mike is like, do they have an In-N-Out burger? Like, yeah. do they have anything? Like, 
the place is, you know, desolate. Like, yeah. He said he looked at uh, like a Google Maps or something like that. He said, yeah, he, he said, anything. I looked on Google Maps. The place doesn't even exist or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious. But um, yeah, so back to the costume. Uh, what, I, what I really loved about it was that it was revealing in the sense of it's still a young girl who's still going to be very empowered with her body, mm-hmm. you know, her body, her choice. So, but they still managed to make it where it looks respectable. Like it's a Wonder Woman. It looks like a Wonder Woman suit. It looks like a, a like a young Starlight suit. It's not like so uh, early Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. They didn't like sex the, her up, but it, you would yeah, think exactly. that it was something that she would want to wear. That it's it, it's it's made in a way that it's still cute. <laughs> I mean, it's like what bike shorts, like those like cheerleading spanks, you know, like it, it, yeah, one hundred percent. She has basically uh because she's a, a, a not a cheerleader. She's a a, a gymnast. Yes. So you see her outfit. I think and in the comics she was sense. a cheerleader, right? I think she was also a gymnast too in okay. the comics. That's why she could. That's why she fights with the staff like the way she fights. Yeah. Well, she didn't get the staff in the comics. Just... That's another big thing. She didn't get the staff in the comics oh, too. Oh yeah, quite a bit. that's right. We didn't even bring that part up. Her her powers was her belt. Yeah, the she strength. She shot stars from her belt. Yeah, that's right. And they also gave her like super strength and. Uh, the cosmic, uh, cosmic belt. It's the cosmic belt. It's the cosmic rod, um, handed down through various different star people. Is that? I hope it's not yes. Like a, that's not like and that. she wasn't even. And we, I think it's important to note, she wasn't even Star Girl in the comics until the early two thousands, mid two thousands. Right. She was still the Star Spangled Kid. Yep. Um, teaming up with Stripesy, and because Stripesy used to team up with the old Star Spangled Kid, um. Which, if we're going to start talking about Stripes now, I think it's important to note the very big differences between Pat Dugan Comics and Pat Dugan Luke Wilson. But I want to say that, uh, remember earlier when I was talking about how um, they weren't, like, they they were going to try to adapt Stars and Stripes, but they couldn't get the armor um, mm-hmm. in the first run. Um, once he was able to, once he knew that he could get the armor for this, um, Jeff Johns, he automatically envisioned Luke Wilson for the role, <laughs> and he wrote the whole script with Luke in mind, and then sent the pilot, mailed the pilot to Luke Wilson <laughs> to be like, hey, you know, uh, you're the person I'm thinking about with all this when it comes to this grounded and like always trying to do the right thing, That's and I'm always capable crazy. of doing the right thing. I I think I think he'd be great for this, and he had him up, and he accepted, and now. Uh, and Patrick now Luke Wilson is, Wilson is a comic book superhero. Patrick. Luke Wilson. There's too many Wilsons. Uh, yeah, Luke Wilson. Yeah. Yep. Luke Wilson is a comic book superhero. Like, yeah. that's just, I never in my life ever once imagined I would say the words Luke Wilson and comic book superhero in but, the same sentence. But that's another thing, too. Like, I like that Luke Wilson is Luke Wilson in that sense. Like, he's always been seen as kind of just a nice, unoffending guy. And Unless you watch that 70s show, then he's... <laughs> The older Casey Kelso, but but I feel like, um, if if in the comics or in the show, if you would have casted someone like The Rock, it would have threw the balance off. I think, I think, um, if you would have casted anybody like Sam Rockwell to Nicolas Cage, it just wouldn't have been the same thing. I think part of the 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 magic of Stripesy Pat Dugan is his unassuming nature. You know, like you don't think he could fight, and he 
maybe he can't, you know? You don't think he can save the world, and maybe he can't, but he's going to try. And I think that Luke Wilson definitely uh, embodies that. Um, and as somebody who is getting older and realizing <laughs> how small the, uh, the, the pool of... of um, the dating pool? The dating is. pool is getting... I'm gonna end up probably having to have a conversation with a court like myself, <laughs> like 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 Pat did, and the idea that I would be met with so much hostility is frightening. <laughs> oh, I've already, I've literally have accepted for the last like five years that I'm gonna end up being a stepfather, and then watching. And it's, and it's rough. It's rough because you yeah. you're not you're not you're definitely not trying to take a role. Like you're not gonna you're not trying to take. Um, no, I'm definitely not trying to be anybody's father in right. a sense, but but in the sense, I you also are like I know it, that's we, we we fear that it's like you know if we meet somebody and we fall in love and she has like a 12 year old or two or like an eight year old boy or girl, mm-hmm. you know you have that initial fear of I'm not trying to be your dad, I'm not trying to be your dad. Well, no, I you should though. Yeah, you should want the responsibility of hey, listen, I love your mother so much. That I'm willing to, you know, look out for you, guide you, be responsible for you, and that's what Pat did here. Right. Pat, without some, without having to say, I'm not trying to be your dad, or I want to try and, you know, be your dad. He just literally just looked out for her. Yeah, that's true. He kept trying to get her out of trouble. He lied to his own wife that he loves for her, and now you have to imagine that he's only known Courtney for how long, and he's known, uh, what's your name, uh. Beth was her name? Not Beth. It's uh, not Beth. Barbara. That's Barbara. Barbara, Barbara yeah. <laughs> I like it was Beth too. <laughs> he's he's known Barbara for so much longer that but he was still willing to lie to her just so Courtney could feel like she has a parent that has her back. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think ultimately what happens in a situation like that, and I'm obviously just spitballing here, but like, you know, Pat gets into this situation, um, doesn't know where who or where Court's father is, but that guy can always come back into the equation. And I'm not saying that he has the right to, right? Let me just come back and be like, well, I'm the but, dad now, but he kind of sort of does. And I think playing around with that sometimes um, makes step-parents toe a line so that they never feel like they've um, exceeded boundaries uh, with another person's child. Um, but that all depends on the remaining parent uh in the relationship and what they feel the relationship between the child and the original father should be and that's why barbara does a great job where she's like where's your father i don't know where's pat he's with us like you know she's she's gone out of her way countless times to downplay the biological father and rise pat up but not only that, and like I said, you know, as an adult, I see I see various different aspects of this show differently than I would have as a as a kid. I think as a kid, I would 100%. have been totally zoomed into some of the um, the more adolescent aspects. But you bring up that thing about um, Barbara, and maybe I'm a little close to it. But uh, this idea that Barbara, you know, she didn't when when she got with Pat, she didn't jump for joy that there was a replacement for. Sam Curtis, you know, she loved Sam Curtis. She made a child with Sam Curtis. Sam Curtis disappeared off the face of the earth. And so what is Barbara now to do? So she continues doing what she do- does, provide for her daughter, 
um, you know, live her life thankless, right, loveless, until she bumped into Pat. Um, I'm almost certain when she bumped into Pat, all the ideas of like, oh my God, you know, I like him. Will Courtney like him? Will this work? Could we be a family? He has a son as well. You know, Mike, could th- could all this work together? Like there's several different la- layers and levels of thought that I'm sure Barbara came to. So on the occasions that Court treats her like this was something she just made up or something that she just decided to do, um, I think hurts a little bit, right? Like, of course, Barbara thought about moving to Blue Valley and what that would mean. And of course, Barbara thought about what marrying this man would mean. And Courtney didn't even see it that way. Courtney just saw it as he's taking me away. He's moving us here. He's doing it. He's doing it. To where Barbara even, once again, I love the way Barbara stands up for Pat. Amy Smart, for I those who are... Who Amy Smart. It. She, it, one, the second I saw Amy Smart's name in the credits, I said, holy crap, where did they pull her from? It's also weird because I feel like, and maybe this is because I'm a guy, majority of the roles I've seen Amy Smart in are kind of yes, salacious. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so to see her play the small town mom was like, hmm... And she fits the pantsuit perfectly. Yeah. But she, she also looks like somebody who had some crazy years and decided to, you know, <laughs> slow do down the her. car. I'm not, I don't mean like, 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 the, eight, like the years have no, ravaged her. I'm saying I, know, like, I, I recognize that face and that you don't, you don't go, you don't marry your high school sweetheart with that face and, and, and you go to Blue Valley, you know? You go backpacking through Ibiza for a while. Uh, looking like you look when you're Amy Smart. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, yeah, you know, she. Uh, I just realized that Brick has two brothers named Barrick and Bryce. I need to talk Barrick to those parents. Bryce. Brick, Barrick, and Bryce. Brick, oh my god! Barrick, say that five times fast. Breck, Brick, Barrick, Bre- no, Brick, Barrick, and Bryce. Madness. Um, Barrick with a with a C or a K. I thought it was with a Barrick. C. So B E B Eric, Barrick. B Eric Barrick. Barrick, and then B Rice Bryce, and then Breck B Rec Breck. Oh my God, that's a weird family. But yeah, you know, that's a lot of the crux of the initial start of the show is that this this marriage and and what is Pat going to completely tell her the truth is. Court ever gonna find out who his who her father was? What do you think about that whole family dynamic between the four of them, Mike? Uh, okay, first of all, Mike is so unbothered; he is a mood. That <laughs> that kid is legit. No, but then a he, mood. but then at one point he becomes extremely bothered. No, when he when he when he was in that when he put up the drill, it. he was messing around with the drill and all that kind of stuff in the in the in the garage. He got caught an attitude because he could tell that Court and Pat were keeping something. Yo, and he even goes up to Court and he's like, yo, listen, he's my father. Okay? Yeah, was like, he's my father. All right. You can have but him. What, but it, feel, it feels earned. You can keep him. I, I'm not going to front. It feels so earned because for like, what, this is a 13-episode season. You're talking 10 episodes. This kid is eating toaster strudels and breaking... Uh, microwaves yep. and doing lava volcanoes and for most of the beginning of the series you get him and barbara so it, it's perfect how you this is the this is the kid mind where he's so excited so gun ho that now he has a new mom 
hey, Barbara, want to make me this? Hey, Barbara, want to <laughs> do that? Want to do this? Want to do that? But then you see that you see it was just him using her, not using her, but he was really he was only talking with her and for it to for him to get gained. He's gaining something from making a relationship out of Barbara. But then he sees Courtney and Pat actually, you know, having a relationship like Courtney's legit looking at Pat like, you know, that's my father. It got him jealous. It's like, damn, wait a minute. I don't have that. I'm, not only do I not have that with my new parent, but now I'm losing the relationship I had with my actual parent. So when he finally stands up for himself and starts, you know, telling his frustrations, you feel it. The way Courtney looks at him where she legit calls him like a little brother, you feel it. And what's when, weird is that we're, we are, while, while the main event is obviously whether or not Pat and, and Court can get along and see each other as family but Mike is there as well and while you're waiting for that relationship to connect between Pat and Court when the Mike part comes it feels good it genuinely feels like an evolution of this family like they've they've grown together and they and they've been together um, even towards the end where I mean, Mike, Mike even Mike gets... basically saves the day doesn't he he does he 100% <laughs> does at the end of the day, Mike saves the day. Full yeah. spoilers, Mike takes out Icicle. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think that family is going to be pretty oh, good. Oh, it's also important to note a, a big difference I wanted to note for the fans between Pat and in the comic and show because this is gets really confusing. Pat Dugan in the comic is actually from the 40s. Oh, is he, like, frozen? This is what, this is what happened was there was a fight where Pat is literally from the, the way. Oh, that they, aren't all of them? Aren't that the whole? I think I read side. something similar to this. And this is what they, the, what's so beautiful is they do it to Shining Knight. Oh, they the show. shows him sort of like. They fight of some sort of JS uh, ISA member, and they end up getting trapped in time. But uh-huh. the entire JSA gets scattered through time. Okay. So Pat Dugan, there's like a whole like a splash page type panel where you see the that swirl, the hypnotizing swirl type thing. Yeah. They're all just going through there because Pat was explaining his backstory to Courtney in the book. Right. Because Courtney's like, there's no way you were you're 40 years old and you are were fighting with the JSA in the 40s. Right. Because the, show, the the book takes place in modern time. They're in the 90s. Yes. But Pat is like forty years old from the forties, so yeah, he's actually from the past. He they fought a villain. He gets sent to the future, and then the rest of the time was him trying to find the ISA and the rest of the JSA. I thought I thought what you were gonna time. say was that um, the biggest difference is that uh, comic Pat's a redhead. That too, but I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't, Which automatically I don't, makes him soulless. So I, I think that's something that we should <laughs> note. We should be watching oh, the comic man. Pat a little bit closer than the. He other. does have that weird. It's that smile. You know, he has that. He has that, that Homelander yeah. smile. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know uh, what else is ridiculous? Was how they treated Yolanda. How they treated Yolanda, my girl, my God, I. Yvette opening, Mon- Monroe. I always feel like I'm saying that wrong because I feel like there should be a T. It should be Montreal. But it's am I am I, am I, am I wrong? 
Like I thought it was I thought I was the only one that reads it Montreal. I but I only read it that way because of Montreal. So if right. it's not, then I don't. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she she uh, plays Yolanda Montez, the second Wildcat. Let's talk a little bit about uh, which is actually great because the a lot of a lot of these characters were all in Justice League Unlimited, which was how I first saw a lot of them. You says that she's what most known for playing in. I mean, for work for eh, for being in the show Matador. Never heard of it though. It's probably a Spanish show. Matador. She was also in Rambo: Last Blood. Oh God, is she a Thunder Son? <laughs> no. Becomes more Rambo. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's she's a Rambo son or a Rambo daughter. Oh my God, she's John Rambo's niece. No. <laughs> she also appears in the action film John. I mean Rambo: Last Blood as John Rambo's niece. Oh so, my God. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She's oh a thunder son. She's a thunder son. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yo, I'm, bro, the, I, I can't. Fantastic. I, what is, what is, only, what is, it has to end. I've never seen it. It has to end with him, like, her, like, putting on a bandana and, like, a, a wife beater and then the face is like. He passed the literal torch. See, I didn't get that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Hilarious. Oh man, so but, yeah. But but what's not hilarious is that um, no, I think is... I think it's fantastic. Um the that um early on and again, this is something that like when you first watch the show, there you don't know really what to pay attention to. And so the second time that I watched it, I thought it was incredibly um interesting that when uh Cindy sorry, when um Courtney sits at lunch for the first time that Beth um, Rick and Yolanda are all sitting there, but none of them are talking to each other. Oh no! What? What's? But to build on to that, the the pilot episode in general, the way Courtney is literally in some way meeting everybody, surrounded, or she's surrounded by everybody way. who's going to be a part of this story. Exactly. The second she walks in, the um, Tigress tells her where to sit. She gets into a fight with Brainwave's son, the Fiddler. Sends her to the to her office. Yeah, she leaves school late because of the tension. You see Shining Knight looking on over her. Yep. Pat opens up his his uh mechanic shop. You get Sportmaster coming to introduce himself. Yep. Uh, Barbara starts her new day at work. What do you get? You get Icicle. Wizard, uh, not Shade, uh, Wizard, Icicle, and the Gambler yep. all in one. Yep. This is I never was, what seen was something that like job? that. American Life, right? What did they? Was it American Life? American, the oh, American yeah. Dream. Sorry, the American Dream. You know the Dusty Road story. Oh, if you will, it says a, a, oh, if you will. a firm responsible for the re- revitalization of Blue Valley. That is general as hell. Yeah, they're they're a philanthropic corporation. They're just they're basically Wayne Enterprises. You know, they're just they 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 basically put budgeting for everything because you see when Barbara was trying to do ideas they were just looking for new ways to help subsidize Blue Valley in a sense right and so one of these outcasts sitting in this chair is is Yolanda Montez and we just see that she's a bit standoffish um and at one point in she's the like, what most are you looking at? uncreative uh bully bullying Oh, this I've ever seen. Angers me. No, you talk about it. I'm not. I, I have to because I was like, I was rewatching and I was like, who wrote this? Dude, who? But basically, wrote they're that? sitting at a table. Uh, Courtney, 
um, Yolanda, Beth and Rick, and a bunch of jocks come up. And one jock goes, hey, do you smell that? It smells like slut. <laughs> Which It smells that's like not even slut. even the thing people say. It smells like slut. You're 16 years old. 17 tops? Maybe 18? Uh, 17 tops. Talking, 17 like, tops. What are you talking about? It smells like slut. No, but ridiculous. what bothered me the most was going back and re- it's not even going back on the rewatch. It's remembering. The second you get episode four, the Wildcat episode, my brain went immediately back to that first episode where I'm like, wait a minute. If you know that you didn't do anything to her, if you know that your phone got stolen and those pictures got taken off your phone and it, they went out of their way to show a, the, the shot of him feeling bad. If you know in your heart that you were not, that, that you know, you feel bad for this girl and you actually loved her, why in God's green earth are you going to call her a slut? I feel like he's around Cindy's finger, right? That's part of it. Like, Cindy it's probably wants the, her yes. to. Now that you look at it, that. it's he's around Cindy's, Cindy's finger, but it's still. who She wasn't even around at that like point. I said, and maybe, maybe we're just, oh, maybe we've just aged out. Right. Like maybe maybe like because I totally don't get that. Like I totally don't get any of that. Everyone knows what the situation was. She didn't do that to do it. But again, I, young children or, or teenagers no, don't have it's, a lot of empathy. They don't really you hit care. the nail they, on the head. We've aged out. Yeah. We look at it now and it's like, why do you have to be so unnecessary? A hundred percent. Right. Um, if, if if any of my. Uh, friends, God forbid, leaked a nude on like, let's say, Facebook, I wouldn't screenshot and send it around right um or even talk about it past it the occurrence of it happening but if you're in high school that's all that's all you have is gossip and (laughs) and he says she says stuff so i guess that's how you get trapped in all that but i will say that beginning is probably one of the most emotionally striking beginnings of a television show about superheroes, I know I'm, I'm. I know I'm qualifying the hell out of this. Uh, no, no, man, Go that ahead. I've ever seen. If you, it, I, I would implore those if you haven't watched it. I don't know why you're listening to this episode, but maybe you just like us that much. Go back, watch the four, the beginning of the fourth episode of Star Girl. Watch the the complete contrast between uh, Yolanda's life prior to her uh, taking a a nude selfie and it being leaked out to the entire school. And they really went. The full thousand with showing the stark contrast between yeah. her life pre and post leaked nudes. Yeah, she was she was running down the stairs. She was giving everybody kisses in the morning. They all everybody had everybody at school was so, buttons on all of them. The grandmother, the the father. She um, was walking the down the school, and everyone was saying hello. Like she just has the smile on her face. You see, and in all actuality, you, she only took the picture because she loved Henry. <laughs> And she was reluctant about it. Yeah, it took her love for Henry to push it over. She looked and at the was, picture of him and was like, you know what? Yeah, this is for him. I wouldn't it do it, real. but it's for him. So, yeah. As sad as it is to say, that shit was real. That, that was, was a day. real thing that really happens where a girl does something like that. But it, what makes what throws it over the top is the words from the guy. Sometimes I kind of love when, sh- when shows and movies show the text messages yeah because i don't want to have to piece things together of what they say like sometimes just give me the goddamn text messages let me read mm-hmm. you know i don't care and you see the come on you know i love you don't you love me you know you want to do it like the, just the blatant manipulation 
is so scary. And I think I think that the the manipulation that we see maybe isn't that scary if we didn't think if we didn't know what we know again as adults, right? <laughs> Which yes. is that no one at this age, you the, the the chances of you at the age that you are um, realizing the effect of what you're what you've done and what 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 it might cause are very very low. Um, and so we we're put in this position where um, as adults we see the text messages, we see her getting ready to take the picture, and the worst of all, we see that she's hesitant. We see that she Very. doesn't necessarily want to do it. it. It wasn't something that, like, he gave her the idea. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally down. It, it wasn't took, even her idea. Yeah, even. It, took it very, wasn't even like she wanted to do it originally. Like, it, it taking various steps to um, to convince her and then for it to blow back in her face, I think, is the heartbreaking portion of it. It's also very uncomfortable to think, like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I, when I read something or when I see something, yes, it's fictional, yes, it's TV and movies, I have to throw myself into that world. Yeah. I have to see, I have to look at these characters as real people to really sink into the emotions, to understand. So I'm going to straight up say it's kind of disgusting that, you know, this whole arc was about a naked 16-year-old girl. At the least or the most, 16. Right. Like, I, just, I felt uncomfortable Knowing but that, but, but but that's the thing. Like I feel like with the other, with the other aspects, the Rick Tyler stuff, the Beth Chapel. Like, if you were gonna cover the all the bases, you got to cover all the bases. You you're gonna, if to you're gonna cover mo- modern issues and modern problems, then you have to do that. But then you also have to provide modern solutions. So it's that, also it's just it's revenge porn on teenagers, and it's very uncomfortable. It's very real. It's yeah, yeah, disgusting. yeah. And at one point, Yolanda at least thinks in her mind, that she would cut the throat of the man who did this to him and watch him bleed out. Some, this was a thought that she had that was expressed when that her was, mind was... was, yo, was this, sh- this show got pretty dark towards the end. No, I mean, that's 100% how... I mean, then at one point she does quote-unquote kind of kill him again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, like this... It, the trauma is real. And um, I think what's actually really cool is that she had she you know she's given the 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 wildcat stuff by court um and eventually like she has like a night as wildcat but then she's totally like i don't want to do this um not because it wasn't fun but like i kind of have to build myself back up first before i build up wildcat which i totally get that's totally Her, true it's, it's it it is it's real shit yeah i can't i'm gonna sound like a broken record (laughs) but this show just managed and i'm giving all the credit to jeff johns here yeah yeah there's a lot of writers and directors and stuff like that this show was created for television by him he's the producer he he foot the bill for most of the stuff one of the craziest things about this show and like we say when we go back and we 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 rewatch stuff and we see things that we haven't seen before and notice new things yeah i the first rewatch I had of this to cover for this episode for the writing my notes, I noticed a certain shot. It was when Courtney was in school and she was getting her new school ID done. Okay. And the camera is doing this 360 swoop and it's showing the entire school. Like it's showing the entire library from yeah. Courtney's to, to Courtney's back and showing the teacher, then showing the teacher's back and showing Courtney, but it's literally doing. Oh, like a nice 15 second 
360 swoop around the both of them and you see the entire background of the library. I said, holy crap, that shot. Did I, how did I not notice a shot like that? And then the rest of the first episode, I started noticing more shots, more transitions, more angles, low angle shots, over the shoulder shots, shot reverse shots. Come to find out, Jeff Johns made sure that this show had feature film technology. Yeah. They used pre-visualizations. Yeah, and they, you can see them. You only can, seen it, in feature films. You can see the money. There's money all over this series. This was a labor of love, and I guess that comes from it being such a Johns wanted to create Johns, the yeah. first W. Uh, yeah, he wanted to create the first Warner Brothers television series to use feature film technology, pre-visualization, pre-visualization. Yeah. It is crazy, and he got it from his experience on working on Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. Yeah. He said he wanted to help this series have the visuals never before seen in a superhero show. Jesus, thank you, That's... Johns. Just everybody collectively say thank you to Jeff Johns. <laughs> yeah, he definitely he, wanted he to. Yeah. He did it. He gave us he gave us feature film angles and shots and camera work on not even daytime television on a streaming service that they were not even sure was going to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of this. That's why you got to put all your effort. You got to put all your effort up front. Always, always. And this is also my fear of season two. I hope they put, they keep with the pre-visualization for season two. I don't want the, the camera quality to go down just because it's on CW. I want them to keep that same passion. I'm begging them to keep that same passion. Yeah. It'd be completely unfair. You will be doing a disservice to a show that knocked it so out of the park that didn't have a reason to be knocked out of the park. This show could have failed and I never would have even, it never would have offended me. Yeah. I never would have been bothered. Like I, I had no knowledge of Stars and Stripes and Pat Dugan and this world. Pat if this Dugan. show would have failed, it would have done nothing for me. But it didn't fail. It, it it knocked it out of the park in ways that I never thought a, a fucking CW show, a, a DC show, could. Yeah. Yeah, and they only take it takes somebody caring about that character enough to want to write new um new stuff for him. Well, I you mean, know? you better care about a character that you dedicated to your sister. You better care. And this is somebody that he. Uh, this is a character that also. John's loves history. He loves DC Comics history. He's, you know, uh, the writer on Doomsday Clock, um, which takes so much from DC history. He's trying to reintroduce the JSA as it stands. And he's so, basically the closest thing DC has to like a Stan Lee. Right now, as far as like a, having like a face, you got like Jim Lee and stuff like that, obviously Dan Didio. But like, yeah, like John's, he definitely helped the resurgence in the 2000s. And now there's so many people who were who knew quote unquote um, what DC was as far as the Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman kind of aspects of it. But I think in the last 20 years, there's few people who know what DC is more than Jeff Johns. Um, And so him heading a series like this, you know, it it is important. And he's able to, again, inform us about cat, about, um, sorry, about heroes like the original Wildcat, um, like star man, a star spangled kid, the whole ISA, which we're going to get into. Uh, but let's finish off the current incarnation of the 
uh, JSA, let's talk about Beth and Rick. Who you want to talk about first? Uh, just real quick, important to note one more thing on the the filming of this. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important that everybody knows Legacy Effects, who has worked on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Suicide Squad, Civil War, X-Men Apocalypse, Terminator Genesis, Age of Voltron, stuff like this. Most comic book and fantasy and adventure and action movies from like, you know, 2000, I'd say 2009 mm-hmm. to 2019. I am number four, Iron Man two. They do the the special effects for yes, yeah. Star Girl, and, and you're gonna need a lot of special effects for Stripe C for Solomon Grundy. Exactly, specifically, they do the practical effects for Stripes. Stripe is a practical effect. Well, it can't That's be all the way through, right? What? Not when he's like flying and shit. No, no, not not when he's flying. But when you see when you see him up close, yeah, that steampunk look. Yeah, Luke Wilson's really in that. Yeah. I've seen. Uh, like, I saw one of the stripesy suits. I guess you would call it. Um, you know, standing. It's pretty freaking big. It's pretty damn huge. So, oh, it's it's crazy. But now, who, who do I want? I want to talk about Doctor Midnight. Okay. I want. I want. Let's leave Rick for last. You know, let, let, let the white guy go last for <laughs> once. You so, know, yeah. uh, I, I want to talk about Beth Chapel because I feel like Beth Chapel was a character that we didn't get anything of. It feels that way. Um, Beth is, uh, well, she's played by Angelica Washington, and the character itself seems like incredibly bubbly and incredibly. Um, she's I so good. She she's she's nerd- very... They say yeah, she's she... nerdish, but like, she has almost the same optimism and stuff that Courtney does. But in comparison, Courtney then gets more cynical. Does that make sense? No. Like right. I feel like if there wasn't a Beth around, Courtney would be the Beth. But because there's a Beth around, she gets a little harder because Beth is so idealistic. Beth is so optimistic. She's so um, kind of like socially awkward and stuff. Um, she, What's beautiful is she gets the powers and she turns it into a friend. Yeah. She takes she the doesn't goggles. get these she powers the... and she's like, I need to, to save the world. I need to do this. I need to do that. No, she gets these goggles because she's a tech nerd. Yeah, she gets the Charles the... McKnighter. Dr. Midnight Goggles. I think Charles was actually blind. So these these were supposed to yeah, do all the, so. the 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 goggles themselves were supposed to do all the high tech stuff and let him know, you know, what you know, the comings and goings of the town, etc. And it happens here. Beth is able to with the with the Dr. Midnight goggles become the second Dr. Midnight. And also, um, it is the goggles ability to hack through things that help change a lot of you know, help them save Blue Valley and the day. Um. Yeah. Beth is into Rick. The, it looks that way, right? Yeah. I thought it? I thought yeah. I was like thought I was alone on that. It looks like Beth is into Rick, and it looks like Rick's into to Yolanda. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, and you know what I say? Let let, let all three of them. It's high school. It's high school baby. They're school. all just figuring <laughs> themselves out right now. High school. They're all just trying to. Get all these young juices flowing. Oh you know? my god, young juices! Young, young juices. juices. I think that's about it with Beth. I mean, we see her parents and no, uh, no, no. I I, I want to keep going with Beth. You want to talk about I, her I, I, I want the real reason I want to keep going with Beth is because, like I say, I felt like I right, here's the perfect example. You get episode one pilot, bam. Mm-hmm. You get all that you need to about the setup of the show, but then mainly a Courtney centric episode. Then you get episode two, 
stripes. Like, you got a Pat-centric episode. Then you get a whole Yolanda episode. Even Icicle, episode three was was called Icicle. Even Icicle got his own episode. Courtney, uh, not Courtney, uh, Wildcat gets her own episode. The second we get to more backstory, you get Our Man and Dr. Midnight. That's the name of the episode. Just Our Man and Dr. Midnight. And it still ended up being a Rick-centric episode, even when they had the opportunity to give us a best backstory, a best centric episode, they didn't. They yeah. didn't. And they ended up just having Beth stay the odd man out in a sense the rest of the show. Think of it. When you when you get the episode Justice Society of America, you have everybody. You have Yolanda in the suit, our man in the suit, Beth in the suit, Stripes in the suit, Courtney in the suit. What happens? Everybody is fighting, and Beth is using the goggles to try and do something. Mm. She gets one. She gets one strike, and she hits Tigris in the back of the head with a with a fire extinguisher, and then runs away. And in the final episode of the season, everybody's going through the tunnels and they're fighting and stuff. Cheetah, she can't even be in the tunnels because the signal cuts off the goggles. Yeah, making her completely useless yeah and like, I, they, and also like the gambler was like just hacked into all that anyway too at one point <laughs> yeah he was just he's literally with the entire for the for the last half of that episode the gambler was inside the goggles talking to beth the entire time now aren't they broken you know, at near the end they got broken yeah are they fixed and, no the the season ends with Beth holding the broken goggles. So not only do at... you believe she was short strifted, but now she seemingly had her she powers taken, taken away, away from her. Powers. <laughs> so Come I think on, that's interesting. George, am, I, am I crazy or no, do you see not. what I'm saying? But that's the reason why I said I was done talking about Beth, not because she wasn't an interesting character, but because I feel like they didn't give her really much to do, which maybe means that she's going to get a whole lot more to do in the next and season. And my thing that I'm bothered by is Beth Chapel is actually a Dr. Bendite in the comics. Yep. And she has a dope black and yellow bodysuit. Yep. She got. She has like this cool, like like a crescent, like a crescent moon, on her, uh, on her outfit. But yeah, this is a way. Like I'm not even really a fan of the whole like weird steampunk leather (laughs) outfit that they give her. Like I don't think it's flattering. I don't think it's cool. Tell me that is not the dumbest looking costume. That they ever did to anybody. Disrespectful. Nah, I'm not I'm about trying to, get to be a white knight. Like I'm not trying to be a white knight. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to like be offended for anybody. But I just personally felt that they could have done a little bit better with the only black woman on the show in these kinds of times. You know, this isn't the early 2000s anymore, where racism was more quiet. You know, everybody was like, Shh, let's let's just sweep it under the rug. No. It, it, this is 2020 where you have, you know, people actually walking around here wearing politically stanced shirts like, you know, Blue Lives Matter and This Life Matters and that and mm-hmm. vote this side, vote that side, red versus blue. Like, this is a very out in the open, politically driven time of our lives. So to just treat the only black female character on the show where she ends up getting, you know, shafted by not even having her power at the end of the season. I'm not trying to say that there's a problem there, but there's a bit of a problem here. And even we even know what went down behind the scenes during filming. So 
I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to look for a problem. I just, I think it's there. Because there was a bit of a whole blackface stunt double on the set. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I guess let's get to, let's get to Rick Tyler before I get really upset with race relations in comics. Yeah. But, but uh, Rick Tyler, our man. Well, real quick, I, I just want to say that I think that yeah, you do need to revise Beth's outfit. I feel like when she has her full outfit on, including the helmet, she kind of looks like Corey in the house. And I think that, <laughs> I think, listen, listen, listen. And I do think that there's a reason why Batwoman and Stargirl's hair is out. I think if Stargirl had a full cap, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, I think she'd look weird. Even Yolanda gets hair coming out the bottom of the cow. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I think if you you take that part away, the the outfit, Doctor Midnight's outfit is incredibly layered and bulky, so it's not form fitting at all. That's the um, problem. And then you put every... that cap on, and it's. I, I thought it was a dude when I very first saw the promotional material for this stuff. I thought it was a dude. Yeah, um, that's not even your fault. Nope it's it's an unflattering outfit, and yeah. it pisses me off because look at how each. Look how each outfit was. Courtney literally destroyed a home ec classroom to make her outfit. Yolanda's outfit literally morphed and formed around her body like a Black Panther suit. Rick Tyler, his outfit was probably freaking his father's. Who knows? The point was, like, Beth couldn't even get a suit tailored to her. She was literally wearing a white man's hand-me-downs. Like I said, I'm not trying. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. say that there's something there, but you know, you call you call a spade a spade. Well, that was the way wrong. I Ooh, get what you Rick Tyler, Rick Tyler. Rick Parents Tyler. were killed. Parents uh, were killed by Solomon Grundy. Born by on Solomon movie. Grundy. Um, that we'll get into ISA and all that craziness, but we want to right now just talk about. Well, I feel like we could do ISA like together. Last... Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and they they have even less. Uh, wrinkles of interestingness. They're kind of all mustache twirling villains, but in the best way, in the way that yes. I, in the way that children see right and wrong. One hundred percent, one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> but as so, adults, we've talked about this off air. When they unveil what the plan is, it's like, oh, we're gonna control everybody's mind so that everyone's nice. It's like oh, I get there's some there's a nugget of of positivity dude, there. No, that, that <laughs> it was so funny because. When um, Gambler was actually saying his plan yeah. to everybody, they were like, well, well, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not that well, bad. Well, I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> Wait, think about minute, it. That's not bad. Even even Rick himself said, uh, Courtney, who's the bad guys again? Right. Like, which side are we supposed to be on? Like, Yeah, they were trying to get like, universal just... health care. Yeah, that's <laughs> no. what he was going to do. They were going to do universal health care. There was going to be prison reform, education reform, housing reform, budgeting for the homeless. Like, they were going to make a new America. But then they dropped the ball where everyone was going to have a hive mind collective. And those, and not everyone was going to be um, – not everyone was going to respond to the to the. Oh, yes. Thing Anybody the that – They would just die. There was going to be like a 2% <laughs> chance that people were going to – uh, try and fight back in their brain, and anybody that does ends up becoming a vegetable and yeah, dead. Die. Yep. Yeah, they fight, which is they kind fight of it. funny because it reminds me of the Rick and Morty episode, Autoerotic Assimilation. Yes. Where the chick ended up, uh, Rick's ex girlfriend, like saved a planet from dying, but yeah. they all had no say. Like there was, 
there was no freedom there. There was no Which choice. is that that always is a funny conversation. Like you want the freedom to be able to destroy yourselves. Yes, that's and some people what, will fight for that. They will fight for the freedom to be able to, whether or not they want to, doesn't really matter. Listen, it's about I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I will one hundred. I one hundred percent fight for the freedom to, to if I want to destroy myself. I'm a I'm an American. You know, like, <laughs> this ain't communist. If you want to balloon up to five hundred pounds, that's that's your prerogative, bro. But Rick Rick Tyler's parents were killed. But I think uh, yeah. first of all, dumbest powers ever. <laughs> Our man himself is is quite old as a character, and I think that that he was one of the ones like Doctor Midnight. I I think I was kind of actually getting them confused. I was thinking like Doctor Midnight was only powerful at midnight or something like that. You know, like that would for be an hour power. at midnight or whatever. Um, like no, don't worry, it's almost midnight. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, we'll, we'll we'll get there. It's almost midnight. Um, but uh, yeah, Our Man. Um, that feels like something that, that you make up at that time, you know, that totally feels like something that you, um, like one of those powers that, that makes sense in, you know, I guess in the time period that he was created. Well, I think that the, um, if I remember the writing correctly, I think, uh, Courtney was the one that brought it up. Like, why do you think your father only made the suit powerful for an hour a day? Because he knew that. The powers were too much to handle. Like it, the powers give you like this surge of adrenaline and rage. It makes you different. It makes you angrier and less prone to thinking. I would I would almost go to say that our man is also one of those characters that that shows up a lot. Like considering the fact that many people may not know him, um, like no, maybe not know his name, but he's been in like Justice League. Um, what's it called? Unlimited. Yes, stuff like that, like a bunch of well, different Justice League like Unlimited. That. Literally, they they made a career of showing everybody, yeah. everybody. The Shining Knight had an episode in there. The Vigilante, Jonah X. The the, like, char- the character of Our Man debuted in uh, 1940. So Jesus <laughs> Christ, right? So that's right around Batman and Superman time. That's that's Dude, that, how that, old that he guy's, is. He's 80 years old. So this is an 80 year old character, right? So that's why I'm saying like that hour thing was probably cool as hell. In the forties, oh, that would probably be yeah, the heroes. dopest character ever. We didn't have other heroes to do other things, and I guess when you think of our man, you think of his strength. Sometimes you may think of the Hulk. Uh, obviously, that's a Marvel char- Marvel Comics character. The Hulk once famously had a television show. On that television show, the Hulk was played by uh, Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> that fucking um, score just always gets me. <laughs> And, uh, and Rick Tyler on Sargo is played by Lou Ferrigno Jr. So wait a it minute, it all comes around. See, I, I gave you the reins, bro, but I'm still, I'm still here. You feel me? Like I'm still That's dropping crazy. bombs here. Yes, Lou Ferrigno Jr. is who plays Star Girl. I mean, I'm sorry, Our Man. Well, I, I would hope he doesn't play Star Girl. Well, Cameron Gelman, uh, uh. Plays uh, our man. I think uh, Lou Ferrigno Jr. plays the. Oh no, Lou Ferrigno Jr. plays the father. The uncle. The uncle. Oh, the father. Is it the uncle? It might be the uncle. It might be the uncle. Ah, I yeah. think it's the father. Let's go with the father. Sounds better. One um, of those parents. Yes. Um. And so we see that because his parents were killed, and because the his guardian, who was his uncle, is not a hundred percent stoked about having to raise this kid that ain't his. 
um, that Rick grows up with a lot of anger. Uh, it causes him to be very um, aggressive, scary even at certain points. Um, and then when he then uh, you know Court has the hourglass and it seems to react when he's around, so she gives it to him and then he's like, well, she's like, well, if you're not going to be part of the team, you have to give it back. And he's like, take it. Like what you thought? This, what you thought this was? This is mine. It belongs like, to my yeah, father. Like, you gave exactly. it to me. Uh, that was crazy. I'm taking it. He's right. <laughs> and he she's was 100 like, right. But she's right, and like, oh my god, like he was he was already unstable, but then I gave him the powers to you know punch a truck, and now he's... okay. This is what I loved about this Courtney is she was very 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 like I, I don't want to use the word bubbly, but excited. She was. She's like, oh my god, Yolanda, here, take this, take this wildcat outfit, please, be a superhero with me. Hey Rick, I know that you you know you're a troubled teen, but here's a uh, of powers that makes you super strong for an hour. Take it, be on my team. We need to fight the JSA, J- ISA, ISA, ISA. It was perfect. She had the call to to adventure, and she was ready to do anything to t- to get there. And yeah. Rick, Rick is one of the most annoying characters I've <laughs> out of this show. Really? No, I'm just I'm just gonna say it straight up. I'm gonna be honest. I, you know I don't lie to you. I don't lie on this cast i don't lie to my fans rick is the most annoying character on that show and i'm glad he is because i think it's time that we get someone annoying like i mean fully on i don't want to be any more scenes with this guy and was it it, just his brooding nature is that what it was it's the it's the brooding nature but it was mostly the lines that they wrote for him every other line is either my parents this solomon grundy that or like whining, yeah. Basically whining, like toward like, the only time that I actually liked him legit was when he spared Grundy's life, because you see, there's pain there. At the end of the day, he had his parents' killer in his in his grasp. He had yeah. a big boulder ready to kill Grundy, ready to squash this man, and he he spares him. He spares the killing stroke because he sees in Grundy's eyes that he wasn't even fully in control of his own self. We're going back to the whole like self punishment or whatever kind of stuff. Like he was going to be there fighting Grundy. At one point it was said to him that he wouldn't have enough time to continue the fight or maybe not even enough energy, but he doesn't care. He wants to dish oh, yeah, pain he and he wants like to take pain. 30, he doesn't he had, care. Like, minutes left is like, you could see like the, the hourglass itself was like, going down yeah so it was almost a suicide mission he and if he would have wait, uh, waited any longer the powers could have just died right then and there and he's holding a giant boulder and then bam yep dead mm-hmm. dead but i will say when he gets his powers and um beth shows him what happened to his parents through the mcnighter goggles yeah and he cries and punches the tree yeah. i will say damn you you earned your moment. Like everybody earns their even, moment. Even Beth, like Beth reacts to it as something horrifying because at this point everyone thought it was a car crash. Oh, but this was what was great about it was Beth is seeing it right then and there. And now there there's not much writing behind the goggles. Right. But who's but these goggles were made for a blind guy, right? Yes. Yep. So what if these goggles in turn were supposed to make the blind person feel what he's supposed to be feeling if he saw it oh that would suck <laughs> but it could be totally, exactly it could totally, could right be like the goggles upgrade, yeah. in a way attaches to you to like you know the nerves of your brain to where if you see a baby get hit by a car 
you're going to, you know, or, or, or a dog get kicked. You know the emotions that you're going to feel. Now imagine a blind person that has to say, what just happened? Oh, this just happened. And then they feel it. Those goggles to me, what if they instantly give you that feeling? So, because the way Beth screamed, the way Beth was scared from that car crash thing, there's no way she didn't feel that. There's mm. no way. She yeah. doesn't even know these people through a hole in the wall, and she's standing in front of the middle of the street, and all of a sudden, you, you just but see also, the hologram. But also, the idea, how horrifying is the idea that if you did see this, you would have to explain it? Yeah. Right? Like, I I see someone join. Oh no, it was not an accident. It, you know, like you're having to deal with how you're reacting to it, and then also you're about to throw it at somebody who you know is not going to react to it well. Um, in Rick, I like his suit. I like the Hour Man suit. The Hour Man suit is actually pretty cool. I like the yellow hood. I like the black the hood on the front. It's not just the paint around the eyes thing that they do. It's like a it's like a cap as well. I think they all have like some sort of cap <laughs> that they wear over their heads. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. But that's our JSA for the most part. Like I said, Pat joins them, Stripesy. What's interesting as hell is that, like, we talk about going back um, and seeing this stuff, you know, with information that we have now. But, sorry. What's interesting is that if you go back and watch Crisis, at the end of Crisis, when they're showing the different worlds that exist, one of them that they show is with our man, um, Stargirl, Stripesy, and... Dr. Midnight and Wildcat. And so at the time when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool, but I have no context for any of this. The big robot, any of this stuff. And now we have. Oh, uh, from Legends of the Legends from, from of Crisis. Tomorrow, uh, yeah, 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 yeah the Tomorrow's Crisis. crisis the... Yeah. Yeah, um, I wasn't even paying attention to that part. Like, I know, like, um, what's it called? Like, they were showing each individual world. And at that point, I got excited because we got to see that Doom Patrol was canon and Swamp Thing was canon, right. but and Green they had that one. <laughs> they had that one sh- hero shot of the entire New Age JSA, which was they probably literally took from the show because no, that was that was <laughs> yeah. that was in the show. Yeah, where they're standing in like the parking lot or whatever with the trees in the background, and they're yeah. all in that hero's stance. That was in the show. I know that was in the show. Exactly. Yeah. And so that adds a whole nother layer to things. Um, so uh, we, uh, we basically have two things left to talk about uh, as far as characters are concerned. The ISA and um, Cindy and Henry. Where do you want to go? Uh, so we have ISA, Cindy, and Henry. Which huh? I think Cindy and Henry are kind of like in the same thing because they're both dealing with all of these children at school and I guess we can go with Sheev first. I guess we can get Sheev out the way. I guess the main yes. event would be the ISA because in my ISA I have Wizard, Ice School, Brainwave, Fiddler, Gambler, Dragon King, Sportsmaster, and Tigris. Yes. That's a bulk. That's that's a lot. That's yeah, eight okay. right there. So let's let's I, you know what we can do, Cindy? Uh and then we can talk about Wait Henry a minute. When we talk we're about... still talking good guys. I want to talk about Shining Knight real quick. Okay. Because I because that's on my notes. Justin... By the end, Shining Knight was part of the team. He gets his whole uh, Excalibur. Does he get a last name? Justin something. Justin Knight? Uh, I, I, was, uh... <laughs> I think it's Justin Knight. <laughs> Justin Knight. No, I'm actually going to... You sure you don't want to go with Justin Knight, bro? I'm telling you. Sir Justin, that's all I see. Sir Justin. Sir Justin. Uh, that's probably just what his name is then. Just yeah. Sir Justin. Justin Knight. <laughs> yep, that's it. Mark Ashworth as Justin slash Shining Knight, a mysterious janitor at Blue Valley. Dun, dun, dun. 
Yep, and this is actually funny because Seven Soldiers of Victory is uh, was brought up. Yep, in their canonical. In, yeah, it was brought up in um the comic, the Stars and Stripes comic. Yes, it was. That was just that was another team that he was on, which had the Vigilante, the Shining Knight, um, Green Arrow, the Crimson yeah, his, Avenger. His whole story seems to be like one of mental health, right? Like. He's somebody who is not being treated for something that's actually going on with him and to him. Everyone kind of just uh, blows him off and thinks that he's just a crazy person. And in actuality, he did, he, there's a real life man in there. And, um, at one point, it's incredibly heartbreaking. He almost attacks Stripesy because he thinks that he's the Dragon King or something. Um, and, yeah. And when that was he realizes, actually pretty crazy where he's like attacking everybody. that he And he just sees like a room full of Dragon Kings. Yeah. And he's just trying to fight them. There was um that reminded me of uh not Kingdom Come, but um Justice League Doom. Mm-hmm. When Wonder Woman was just fighting people and all she saw was uh Cheetah. Yeah. This is pretty sick. Also, I pretty much felt bad for Mark Ashworth this entire show because that one part where he's like crying and doesn't remember where he was, I'm like, damn. Yeah, it's heartbreaking dude, stuff. Like we get we, we barely see you for the whole show and then your first like monologue is you like i don't we know, know who i am we know we know that you know obviously what he's dealing with is fictitious but there's there's um remnants of like alzheimer's you know there's like remnants the of a thing. lot of like very mental much health dementia stuff, in a right? sense and i think that that is also always painful to watch like the idea that your mind would betray you in that level and you wouldn't be able to trust that, i mean i look at it more of like an amnesia thing like think of it is think of it in thor the second he landed in Texas or whatever, he doesn't remember who he was. Right. Now, now that I'm thinking, that would be a cool Thor movie. Now that I'm thinking of that, that would have been a cool Thor movie. He lands in the Earth and doesn't know who he is and has to figure it all out. But I think you go, I think you hit the same marks as, as the first one where he like tries to eat something and breaks it and tries to, you know, you do a lot of that fish out of water stuff that we would we did when he went to Earth the first time. But I think that's why they were they did it because it would <laughs> that usually adds to that, you know. Um, you, like Wonder Woman knew who she was, but that didn't matter because she didn't know what the world was when she got there because <laughs> she's never been. So I think that you can still play around with that idea of amnesia. But in this, um, wait, doesn't Brainwave get amnesia? Yes, he does. He does, right? Yes. Uh, uh, anything else on Sir Justin? No, I just really wanted to just make sure that we covered uh, The Shining Knight. Heartbreaking Because there stuff. is a lot of, you know, golden aged heroes and characters in this show that I feel that if people liked this show and liked characters from this show, they'll be able to go back and read it with no problem. And this is also an easy entry if you did want to get into Stars and Strikes through the JSA like you did. You know, uh, it gives you a bit of a... Uh... Oh, Stars and Stripes is 100% the easiest thing to get thrown into. Because well, I looked at this book, and for, I think, like, maybe the first two issues, it felt like the show. Yeah. Like, it felt like, like like I was reading an adapted version, like, from the show. But then, um, what's it called? Then it gets to, like, all these different comic book aspects of it. Like, you know, there's this one bad guy that's like they're aliens from like another planet and they like take over people and they like that they shoot like polka dots or whatever like it gets really childlike comic booky like teen titans go-ish but not dumbed down it still feels very smart it still feels like it's handled very well it's capable 
but it was a very, very easy series to get into. And um, it's it's so weird to me because, like you said, it is easy to get into, and a lot of the uh, focus is on the these younger children. But all of it is to sell a feud that had has been going on for sixty, seventy, eighty years at this point. Again, some of these characters are uh, were created in the beginning genesis of um, comics DC, in general. The, yeah, comics in general, DC comics, all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's extremely important. Um, that they're able to do both because we just we got introduced to um, Cindy, Cindy Berman, uh, aka Shiv, like the Shiv, like when you stab somebody in a in a prison. Not that I would know about stabbing people in prison. I'm just saying that's where that word is. He, he kind of knows for. a little bit about it. It's okay, <laughs> but um, no, her name really is Shiv. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and that crazy. Uh, Shiv. So Shiv, where's she? Oh, Meg DeLacy plays Shiv, uh, Cindy Berman, um, daughter of the Dragon King, girlfriend of Henry King Jr. She's the one who gets the whole thing. She's the one who gets um, the picture of Yolanda spread around the school. She be- tries to befriend Court at first. Do you think that that's real? Oh, that that was that that, that was very mean, girl. Too okay, and I love it. I'm that I I don't want anybody thinking I'm saying that. In a bad way because personally, I love Mean Girls. I think right. it's a classic. It's like a modern day Heather's without all the death. Yeah, like it's Mean Girls is awesome. So you get that Regina George vibe, right? From Cindy, like you don't know who Sydney Cindy is yet. You but she just comes up to Courtney. Hey, what's up? You want to join cheerleading? I'll text you. Don't worry, I already have your number. Like you know, very. I thought you know it's funny. I also thought the iced out bangs were uh were uh, a choice, like a look. But that's totally comic, well, Cindy. No, that's that's comic accurate. Her, yeah, so I was like, oh, okay. Comic accurate. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, get it. Um, and like you said, her father's an evil villain. So she has powers of her own. Uh, she has a super-powered suit and um, like these like daggers that come out of her, wrist blades that come out of her. Um, I think the most important part about Cindy is that she is positioned as the exact opposite of Court in this show. Um, yes, and, and I think that's that makes it apparent that like they're supposed to be night and day characters, as you know. With like most superhero shows, they create what's called a shadow, you know, a darker version of that character, and have them go at it. But I thought that watching some of the damn action scenes between Shiv and and Star Girl were amazing. Like oh, some some like, of the best fight scenes I've seen. Um, the camera work in following the staff whenever it's being spun around or is is going in any particular direction i think is inspired like oh that was really really cool the staff itself which i guess we probably should have given some time time to it's it's a bit of a like aladdin's carpet or dr strange's um cape where it has a mind of its own and it it has attitude they wanted to have the staff have personality yeah and they brought on i i have his name here let me just check my notes uh I really had his freaking name written down somewhere. Damn it! But they wanted to give the ca- uh, the the staff personality. Mm-hmm. That was very much apparent in there, where they brought in Walter Garcia to serve as the series stunt coordinator and second unit director. And uh, usually, a second unit director is like uh, focused, like a uh, landscape shots, like establishing shots and stuff like that. Usually, that's anytime you see like a shot of like a mountainside. 
or an establishing shot to a building. That's usually a second unit director. Yeah. So they, they brought him in because he was hired to help give the staff personality and to be alive when Courtney fights with it. And it's shown when you see it being all like when it whirls, you, it sounds like it's talking like when it's moving and it's nudging Courtney to like, yo, we have to go, let's go. It, it looks like it has personality. It feels like a person really is trapped in the staff. And I think that's like the, how the comics was. Yeah. Wasn't the, wasn't the staff that like a, a cosmic energy, like someone's cosmic energy was created well, it, in there? Like, I, Yeah, it's always had some sort of cosmic um, groundings in it. Did you like that it kind of like made noises and stuff like that? That did like... That it yeah, no, I like the world. And, and all that kind of stuff there? I like the whirling because it sounded like he like the staff was talking. Like it has this like it's 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 like humming in a sense or like whistling. Yeah, yeah, totally. That it, like, go ahead, brother. No, I, I, I was finished with that. I don't know why. Oh no, I was just no, I was, just, I was agreeing that you know it, it um it 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 has a mind of its own and it definitely doesn't like Cindy <laughs> because I feel like. At several points in time, it knocks her out. At one point, it legitimately shoots her, but that's part of Breck being just frustrated with the fight with Cindy. At one point, she's like, "Ugh, you know what?" And she just shoots her with the with the staff. Yeah, um, yep, but- yep, yep. That was towards the end. I think, like, right the last fight scene where she just finally said, "You know what? I'm tired of this," which is kind of comic accurate to Courtney because before she had the staff, yeah, there was times where she was punching and kicking and doing all gymnast stuff. Yeah, but there's also times where she's just like, "Screw it!" puts her hands on the belt and shoots out stars. Do you think there's any redemption for Cindy? Uh, redemption as in being a good character. Yeah. For I, morally... if, there, if, if there is, I hope there isn't. I hope they don't do it like that because I feel Shiv is very much a foil character for uh. Court for uh, Courtney especially in the show not not the not the comic but yeah the comic but more towards the show she's very much a foil character where Courtney's father was uh, assumed as missing no one knew in her mind up to before it's Sam Curtis she thinks he's dead yes Sydney's mother is legit dead and she killed her what's up with the weird robot thing weird robot mama you know, if you, you want my honest opinion, they were just stealing from Umbrella Academy. <laughs> I was... But in all, reality, in all reality, it's probably that he, she probably killed other actual normal human babysitters. Yeah. So, or like, she's done something to them in some way. So, Dragon King's like, yo, I can't afford this no more. Yeah, he, made, <laughs> he, he said that to, when she killed one of his henchmen. He was like, you know, I can't afford oh, another. Oh, it was like next neck, one of those neck breaking things, like uh, Umbrella Academy. Robots yeah. gone wild. Um, she was Robots definitely trying wild. to bang Pat Dugan. Yo, is she programmed so for that? What's that about? That was. I think everyone was trying to bang Pat Dugan because I was. Yeah, I was like, twice. man, you're killing it, Luke. Everybody Luke wants some Uncle Luke. It's literally Luke Wilson, and you know what? My man knocked out Sam Curtis in a single strike. And he also fought off, uh, what's his face? Sportsmaster. He didn't do Yo, that he well managed that, to legit fight off Sportsmaster. He did, he did like, fight off Sportsmaster. Um, so, it's main event time. ISA time. Let's talk ISA. about the baddies. But we can get some out of the way, like Wizard. Yep, Wizard can definitely go out. That's funny, because that's what I have written first. <laughs> go ahead, brother. 
Like, because Wizard wasn't really, oh, what was it, William Zarek? Wasn't yes. really giving much. No. Um, well, he's fact, giving a, a lot of ice. Wait, no, if that, <laughs> that's, uh, which one was uh, Icicle's name? Oh, uh, Ma Kent. No, but I'm saying that Jordan kills uh, <laughs> Wizard with a lot of ice. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Jordan. They, fucking Jordan. they kill the whole family. Killed- they, no, kill, really did they kill the whole family. They kill Wizard. They kill the mother in a car crash. And then they cause the a car crash. First. Yeah. Yep. Both both the son and the mom get killed in a car crash. Yep. And and they also fake the car crash for Rick Tyler's parents. So car yep. crashes are right up there because guess what happens? When push comes to shove and needs to go to a like a, a auto body shop, it's gonna go to Pat, right? <laughs> or whoever the hell was uh owning that place before Pat. Yeah, so like poor old William Zarek. What I what was so weird was he really seemed like he wasn't even a bad guy. No, I mean, like, in the sense that they were in the ISA, but yeah. Well, I but I think that's what's so what's so crazy good about the writing is it was very black and it was very it was very gray with a message. Like you know, like if if something is gonna take a stance to be you know in the middle to to be on, uh, you could either be good or bad. You should have to say something and. That whole New America plan was great, so it doesn't really seem like. And he's a mayor or a politician, right? So he kind of had like pulls with the community, but mainly when you see Zarek on his own in his own home with his own family, he seems like a very caring, loving family man. And I wonder, because this might be something that they're trying to say about the entire show or the entire set of the ISA, is like how much of it, you know. Um, is the fact that they're parents now. Like, maybe when they yeah. first started, it was all about money and it was all about fame or, or infamy and all that kind of stuff. And now that they're they're parents, they have an invested interest in the world getting better. Now, it's whether or not... because it's the runaways of it all. Yeah. And so, like, whether or not they care about how it comes to being better, that's a whole, you know, neither here nor there to them. Um, they'll get it there. But... I think what we're seeing as part of like maybe some subdued evilness with these older adults is that they're not in that same phase anymore. They're not in that same energy anymore. You know, um, they're in the protector mode. They're in the we need to make this better for the next generation mode. And I think that's an interesting level to play with when you play with your 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 villains, right? Oh, that's like, I'm a villain, but I'm gonna kill to make sure that recycling is the greatest. You know, like happens worldwide. It's like, oh, yeah, that is I very. Guess. It's funny. It is hilarious how how it's done like that. Like we're villains, but you know, you all get free Wi-Fi. <laughs> Can you imagine being a villain and giving the entire country universal health care? Are you yeah. really the villain now? That's the thing. You all get free Wi-Fi. You all get free Wi-Fi. Oh, uh, Luke Ferrigno Jr. was Rex. Just want to put that out there for those. So he are... was the father. Yeah, yeah. Because Rex Tyler is uh, our man. Yeah. So the wizard gets a bad a bad rap. Let's talk about the relationship. Let's talk about uh, Crusher, right? Uh, Lawrence Crusher Croc, Sportsmaster. Uh, Tigress. Um, Paula Brooks and I a third one there, right? Oh, Artemis. I, <laughs> Artemis I can't believe that they that they did it. The second his name, the second that the what's it called captions? Because I watch things in captions. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. I like my closed captions. The second the captions said um, Crusher or whatever, yeah, like Crook Croc or whatever his freaking name is, Croc. Yeah, something Cro- Crusher Croc. 
yeah. whatever the freaking name is. I was like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. And then I looked it up and I was like, yeah, they did. I recognize that name. They brought in, they did a live action Sportsmaster. Not only did they do a live action Sportsmaster, he was amazing. He was like, he was like a dead shot. Yeah. Like there was a scene where he throws up three baseballs in the air and hits them all with a baseball bat and they all get on mark or yep. one of them like follows its target. Like the way he's like, he, he has like a Casey Jones look to him and it was amazing. I was so happy that we got a live action Sportsmaster. Yeah, and we they got Sportsmaster and Tigress, which so is well. those characters, Sportsmaster, Tigress, and Artemis were just introduced to me when we did our Young Justice review. That's where they were introduced to me too. Well, not just introduced. I did watch Young Justice when it like since the beginning. I'm a but, huge but Young, Young Justice. Justice lover. Is what introduced you to the to the family? The I'm very assuming. first time I ever saw Tigris, Sportsmaster, and Artemis was yeah was season one of Young Justice, and I'm just like, whoa, what are these people? <laughs> so <laughs> it's crazy because they're like a they're like a they're totally in love. Like they they're, they're in a relationship. They they're in love. Are... So uh, they're evil, but they dick each other. I think it's the best. I think it's one of the one of the most charming parts of the ISA is like that that they have this this guy. And I thought that Neil Hopkins as a sportsmaster was charming in a in a weird kind of. Hey, Pat, buddy, what did I tell you about that diet, man? Yeah, yeah, all that, all that stuff. It's, 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 it's perfect. It's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious perfect. Stuff. Yeah, because he's basically a. Fully realized jock, right? Like a lifelong jock. He's sportsman. Oh, one hundred percent. And so he, he, that's what he's the yeah. toxic side of that. Like you know, yeah. the the guy that grew up to to be like you know the hometown sports hero, and then one bad injury, and he becomes the school's coach or school's gym teacher. But he still has that like you know misogynistic machismo attitude. It's 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 the toxic hometown jock, and it's beautiful. It's done entertainingly wise. Like you know, it's it's toxic behavior. You know, in real life, that's you. You would have to tell that person that they're an asshole, but to watch it in a in a TV setting, God, yeah. that character was just eating the scenery. If any of the villains was eating the scenery, it was to me between Sportsmaster and Gambler. Yeah, you want to talk about Gambler next? Eric yes, Gons. that person. I hey, I did a host segue. <laughs> so Eric cool. Gons, Stephen Sharp, uh, the Gambler. Uh, ISA member doesn't have any powers. They say that outright, but he's great at deception and great at uh, probability. Well, was it? This is this is my problem. Is you know we tend to like because there is no such thing as superpowers in real life. We tend to forget that sheer talent is a power. Yeah. Listen, if you taught yourself calculus at eight years old, my guy, your superpower is increased intelligence like that's just like you know there's no freaking way the dude was intelligent he was a super strategist super thinker master code cracker like master hacker like he was he was awesome and he reminded me of um freaking um will Patton from uh swamp thing he was mm. very, very like Louisiana. <laughs> hey there, sugar, apple pie, yeah, and frog uh, soup. Drink a mint julep and sit on the porch and just have me a soda pop. Let and the a nice sun graze on my face. Okay. Oh, it doesn't doesn't Leslie do something like that? <laughs> she does like a Southern Belle kind of. Oh, I'm just a lady. I don't know. <laughs> I just want the, <laughs> the sun to shine on my face. 
Um, oh, he's very like like you say, mush, mustache twirly. If any, if any of these bad guys were mustache twirling, it was the gambler because every time you see him, he's just he has this smile on his face. His cheeks are so extended and rosy. He's yeah. a, he, he looks like a, like a plush Mr. Monopoly man. <laughs> You're basically like we're just waiting for him to say, "I do declare." Do, please <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. No, you're just but waiting for him to say, "I do declare." <laughs> this this little shindig. Has you, was... you, all you need is a well, well, well. Well, now I be a monkey's uncle, like, like the like the lawyers in BoJack. <laughs> Remember that? That yeah. was great. That was some great stuff. Um, with with the people that we've named so far, uh, so it's Sportsmaster Tigress. Um, gambler, gambler and wizard. And wizard. Wizard's the only one dead, right? Yeah. Okay. Which, speaking of, dude, so many people died on this first season. Yeah, Holy, dude! If you do, if you do the body count in this first season, I mean, especially considering you saw the entire JSA die at the beginning of the show, which is we, that's we talked already about like five in, uh, right then and there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's real. Then big you get stuff. then you get like wizard's kid, wizard, but, wizard's wife. Like the the man who's seemingly in charge of the a, the ISA, um, Doctor Shiro Ito, Dragon King, he does die. <laughs> um, it, he's one of the earliest people that you see in the Stars and Stripes comic, because you see that children it, have been yeah. getting uh, kidnapped and they have been indoctrinated into this weird dragon clan thing um, that he's dealing with. But so help me understand this, uh, and I'll understand it more through talking about it. Um, it is. The ISA is something that Icicle like wrestled away from Dragon King. Where do they sit when it comes to the tables concerned? It's, um, I think it's it's the the pecking order of it all. Okay, so like, is Dragon King yeah. above Icicle? Yes, I it, Dragon. You, you know the the tale is all this time. The second that you become the boss, you get to sit down and watch everybody else do things for you. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's what it is it's like you know jordan is basically upper middle management you know he's assistant to the right he's he's not a, he's not assistant, <laughs> assistant regional manager we're doing a lot of office uh, a lot of office uh, jokes in this uh in this episode of the podcast um uh, i love it i love it but yeah like so dragon king but the thing about dragon king is there's a, a big difference between him and the comic in the mm-hmm. comic this dude was like a shriveled up short looking guy like he was definitely he had a very much of Fu Manchu type look, very very racist, very we don't I'm tired of the Fu Manchu bad guys, like we don't need it no more. On the show he's an actual dragon man, right? Dragon what? face man. Yeah. We see him once, uh he has some sort of dragon face. And he threatens his daughter with it constantly. At one point he traps her in a in like a jail. He jails her. Like, uh, yeah, because I think that was when, she, yeah, that's when that was the whole sh- that was Shiv part two, I think, where she, she had fights. said that she got in, she got Star Girl, but basically she led Star Girl to where the ISA is. But she that's also did great. steal the outfit. Yes. Yeah, it was very comic book accurate, but she still did steal the outfit. Yeah, she don't give a damn. And uh, she dies because of him, doesn't she? she? Doesn't Dragon King die because of Cindy? Oh no, yeah, Sin, 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 I think Cindy. Not think. I'm pretty sure Cindy killed him. If yeah, I I'm almost correctly. certain that Cindy killed him. Uh, so I don't know if she does. She have stake in that ISA now? Do you think? Do you think she can come in and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, old dragon's gone." Well, as it stands, um, you cross it all off the list right now. 
of everyone that's dead and everyone that's alive, you only have Gambler, Sportsmaster, and Tigris. I think that the last person we're going to talk about today is not dead. But you don't think he? You don't I don't think, think he's, he's dead? dead? No, I don't think he's dead. It'll be a weird. Uh, he's probably going to do It'll the turn whole, into uh, water. I seen what happens. Yeah, I, the only thing I do is exactly. put a carrot back. <laughs> they put a carrot as his nose, and it's, everything goes back to normal. I've seen it's this. the Sandman of it all. Yeah, I've seen. I've it's, seen. It's this gonna story. be the Sandman of it all. He's gonna melt and go into the sewers and come back looking dirty. But we gotta talk. Oh no, we even missed somebody. Gotta no, talk about brainwave. Brainwave. Yeah, we gotta talk about brainwave. Um, but real quick, real quick before brainwave, I uh, let's go icicle brainwave as like the last one. But I have Fiddler here, and I feel oh, yeah, like we sure. should be talking about Fiddler. Totally. Because it's definitely a, not like the comics at all. This is the principle. We also had a fiddler in The Flash. So they've done different iterations of this Was character. it a male fiddler? It was a female. Female? Yeah, it was a female. Nice. No, yeah, because I think uh, if memory serves me correctly, the, the character, this principal character, she's either the wife yeah, to the original wife. fiddler or wife. the mom. She's the wife. Um, and that's the reason why initially... When they see her, she's they, she kind of gives away her whole identity because they find her in the hospital, uh, doing violin work, like playing violin for, um, Brainwave, who's in the hospital. And when Court tells Pat about this, Pat's like, "That's not true, because there's no there's a male fiddler, ain't no such thing as a female fiddler." Um, so yeah, well, it was it was a guy at as long first, as they're not and this is the daughter. That's yeah, fine. Exactly. The the diddler. Oh my god! Please stop. The diddler. But let's go to Brainwave, Mr. Brainwave. Henry King. One of the one of the um, I feel like bigger parts of this show, like he's the more malicious uh, person, and you see we see when he got gifted his powers of being able to read people's minds and move things with his mind, and how terrified he was at first because of it, but then ultimately it becomes you know once you become weak, or once you're weak, once you obtain strength, you use it on other weak people, and he becomes a terror. You know, I was um, definitely buying into his villain arc, but I wasn't buying into that. I mean, I don't want to say I, there's still a part of me that likes to believe humanity isn't as evil as we think it is, where someone would get the power of reading minds and then all of a sudden make this stance that everybody is disgusting just because the one mind you read was a guy. No, but I think it's all I think it's all it. minds, right? Like it starts with the one mind you read, but if you read enough. If you have definitive proof that more than half of the people that that you that are around you are shitbags, I wonder how quick you make the assumption that everybody is, you know? Because you turn on that switch. It's it's like turning on mute or whatever on your phone. It's like you get to have that choice. Listen to everybody. And if you believe that everybody's honest and good and, and um, you know, about the greater good, then you'll hear a whole bunch of great stuff. But what, what are the odds that when you turn on your listening to people's minds, uh, you know, switch – that you hear good stuff, good natured stuff, love and all that kind of stuff. But that's when that's that was his wife. Yeah, and then she and lost he, him. Didn't and uh, Icicle lost his wife as well, right? Yes, Disease? Icicle. I. This is what's so funny is Icicle's backstory is more like, akin to uh, Mister Freeze. Yeah, whose wife died. His wife ends up dying of like some mysterious disease. illness. Yeah. Yeah, and he couldn't. He he. There was no. There was not enough resources. There was no cure. Like, they, so that's why he wanted to do the whole new America thing, right? So that you know nobody has to die because universal healthcare isn't a thing, or there isn't enough treatments or you know cures and stuff. Right. 
But back to uh, but, Brainwave for a second. Yeah. He's the first villain that's introduced to us and Courtney. Um, and I think he was perfect. It was. was. His outfit perfect. and all that kind of stuff. The, mis- the oh, his initial, outfit was definitely dope. His initial mystery as to who is this star girl, he cannot believe that one even exists, let alone is seemingly here in Blue Valley and has the cosmic rod. So all and of that really, stuff was really cool. he's the first, like, fully formed, fully yeah. realized villain we get on the show. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think we're led to believe that he's the big bad. And then that shifts over to Dragon King. I'm like, oh, God, Dragon King's a big bad. Then well, that shifts over to Icicle. Then you get him, like, in a coma for the next couple of episodes. Right. And then it shifts over to Jordan and Icicle. And I think that that's, um, that's incredibly interesting how they were able to – that's how they kept it afloat. The way they no, did. and I, I think it's very comic-y too, where okay. you know this issue is done, this arc is complete. Let's go on to the next arc, next villain. Like they were literally jumping to the next villain because you have like eight to choose from. Yeah, yeah. And what I loved about Brainwave is he knows he's bad, and he's he accepted the fact that he's a bad guy by killing his wife because she was making him good. He yeah. feared being good yeah feared it he was so afraid that he was gonna that he was gonna be a good guy he killed the one person that was making him that way and he felt that that's weak that was weakness you know he killed his own son yeah well let's talk about why that's another thing i don't understand why he was so thing with henry in the first place he was out of control with henry i don't know like i don't feel like henry ever did anything worth what he was given, but I guess that's just bad childhoods in a nutshell, huh? No, yeah, and you could you definitely can see that uh, everything that uh, Henry went through as a kid is what made him now who he is. The, the searching for approval and stuff, right? And it's what's crazy is just he's uh, you know you don't once get that the father is a good father or even loves his son mm-hmm. and to the point was all he cares was what am i thinking of and he's trying to get him to see if he has powers because if he doesn't have powers he won't be able to use him what's the point of having his son he'll probably he probably would have killed him if he didn't have powers that sucks oh yeah they were really trying to he was really trying to make sure that was something that was a thing to the point that like it was his powers it, it was his powers that got brainwave out of the coma in the first place yeah yeah, and that was like a. And moment. that's when you get the brainwave episode or brainwave junior episode. Thunder Sun. Thunder <laughs> How do you Jesus, feel about Henry King's uh, arc? You know, he's somebody who seemingly was set up to be a the jock that did that thing to Cindy. Not to Cindy. Um, did that thing to? I am tired of King as a last name. Yeah, I'm tired of King as a last name because I feel like a lot of people that get the king last name or the king's surname in general are dicks <laughs> they're, they're Maybe, i look yeah. down on you you're all uh, uh, under me type dicks it might totally create a a uh you know a superiority a complex. god plot complex yeah a superiority yeah. complex i can see that you want to finish off with icicle yeah there's because uh brainwave's dead and yolanda did it oh it was no in- it but was in the not. basement with the claws. Yeah, it was in the basement with the claws. <laughs> uh, she thought, yeah, yeah they did the Henry King death one. fake out was pretty. Well, the first, the actual Henry King death happens. I, I'm not gonna front. 
I knew that it was going to be a fake out. I knew 100% it was going to be a fake out. There was no way that they, not that it's impossible that he couldn't survive. It is mm-hmm. very much possible that while the stuff was tumbling down, he had a, a, a telekinetic force field around him the same way Jean Grey did when the waters came crashing on her in X2. Ah, so now we get dark brainwave saga. 100%, I can buy the second he goes to, like, before he dies, his brain did that. It put a force field around him, and he survived. But the reason why I didn't buy that they they would have done that is because I felt like when this show makes a purpose to kill somebody, they do it. Yeah. And there is no taking back. Yeah, that's true. Like, like, like for them... They must. They must know you because to them life is every day, and you don't go backwards. No, you don't. In life, they legit killed a 14, 15 year old nerdy glasses wearing kid by getting him hit by a damn truck on a bridge. Yep, they don't care. They're they very, don't. Ca- I they think that's a lot of brainwave. Brainwave, I think, is the most pragmatic out of everyone there. Um, brainwave scene. If we're talking about straight pra- like pragmatic, of course, brainwave's pragmatic. But Jordan is Jordan now. Jordan's ice cold. I'm. I am so. I first of all, I love this actor because this actor was very reluctant about doing this role. Yeah, because the name is stupid. <laughs> That's yep, why. that was that, that, the name that was is him. Stupid. It's icicle. Plus, he looks stupid in the comics. I will say that without any impunity. The comic looks like a weird ice elf, and yeah, I could totally the, see him. The I say compared to, um, what's it called? The ISA compared to the comics in the show is very night and day. Like, they were so cartoony the way they looked in the comics. As most comic uh, are, right? As most uh, comic villains are um, in that era that they were created. So, I think it's very fitting in there. Super fitting. Super fitting is what, what's so super fitting about it is he, he um, his family is even in on his... Even yeah, the older, the older like relatives and stuff. They're super his, down. Aren't they his Nordic. parents? I'm assuming those yeah, are his yeah. parents. I, I guess they were a bit old, but um, uh, that I thought they were like grandparents, something like that. But yeah, they're totally down, speaking Nordic and talking crap at the at the dinner table. And he seemingly wants to be with Barbara, which becomes a whole thing. He wants to be with Amy Smart. I mean, they they are they are a nice looking couple. I won't I lie, mean, they would I look like a nice maybe, looking couple. I think maybe there was a certain kind of person that liked blonde-haired, blue-eyed people together. Uh, and so maybe, you know, Jordan's trying to follow in that footstep, but... No one can be Pat Dugan, though. My man Pat Dugan, he no punches people Dugan. for his love. We got we ended no up getting one... a hell of a a hell of a um, finale with Solomon Grundy fully seen and realized where he's fighting, and we have uh, Jordan... I knew I left somebody out, but there was no real... There's not really nothing talking to talk about, about yeah. yet. Uh, but, you know, Solomon Grundy comes out, you know, and he has his fight with Rex Tyler. You have the standoff between Icicle and um, Pat, where Pat has to now basically defend the honor of Barbara without the whole suit and stuff, which is interesting. Mike is able to, once Icicle falls to the ground, Mike is able to run him over with a truck and breaks up into a bunch of ice pieces. But I believe that he's still alive. I want to believe that he's still alive at least. I do like the the bad guy monologue. Like, when, when Icicle is fully realized... Uh-huh. Like, like, that he's on the roof and he's just talking to Barbara and he's just like telling her like this Anakin Skywalker ish plan, like you know, yes, now together we could rule the world, like uh, by my side, Barbara, and we could do this and this, like giving very mustache twirly 
like you know motivation speeches and then she just looks at him like you're crazy yeah. like you know you're nuts right like you're you're, you're insane it's hilarious how the he the really thought it looked, would work though i guess you know i mean if he had that speech ready to, t- to tell her he totally thought, he thought that really this thought was, was gonna work that's what's funny yeah, he really thought it was going to be something that worked. But um, like I said, I don't think it was the last we've seen of him. Maybe it's a situation where Shiv tries to, you know, take on the mantle of being in charge and he shows back up. Um, His son is still alive, right? Um, uh, Icicle Jr.? Yeah, Icicle Jr. is still alive. Icicle Jr. is still alive, so he might be showing up sometime Emo soon. Emo-looking kid. We saw basically what amounts to a post credit scene where Shiv seemingly has the Eclipso Diamond. Yep. So we might be seeing Eclipso next uh, year. Jim uh, Gaffigan. We're also going to be getting... We're going to be getting Shade. Yeah, Shade is coming next year. That was... To, uh, played, played by Jonathan Cake, which is a weird name. Um, and then Jim Gaffigan is joining next. Uh, also, uh, yeah, I'm going to butcher this name, but... Yasa Pe- Penario. Yas Penario uh-huh. was cast in an undisclosed role. Uh-oh. So who knows what we're going to be getting in season two. Everything seems fine now. I would love to get some more members onto the JSA, maybe a Kid Flash or something. Um, I think that'd be really really cool. But I, I this Does, is. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you could. I was gonna say that this is just a spoonful of sugar in the midst of everything that we're dealing with. Uh, go, I, I check this series out. I think it's worth it. I think it's positive. I think that it says a lot about the capabilities of our children, and sometimes we think that they are just children. Um, I mean, straight up, you know me. Yeah. You know my taste in movies and my taste, especially my taste in TV shows. Like, yeah, I've, I've specifically told you what I look for when it comes down to TV shows. Straight drama. Yeah. Straight depressing. Right. Which is why I was surprised drama. that you took this on the way you did. I I never thought that such a legit wholesome show like of course there's dark moments in this show. There's a lot of sad dark moments, but I feel like that it's contracting to real life so sometimes real life is just sad but this show is hands down the most wholesome show i've ever seen like wholesome in the sense of it's happy there's there's family dynamics in here there's friend dynamics there's love dynamics they handled the relationship between step parent and stepchild as good as ant-man did like it felt like you feel the the, the reluctancy of the children and the parents, but then you also feel the the natural flow when all four of them are together at Christmas time. Yeah, and it and shows Courtney what family really is. It shows what family can be. It, is, it doesn't really matter what's biological. It doesn't really matter what's in your blood. It's how you feel. It's how you're supported. It's how you're heard. When Courtney how gave seen. Pat that Christmas gift that she saved 10 <laughs> years for her real father at the end man. of the series... Man. It was oh, my God when Sam Curtis shows up and that whole situation happens the way that it does. It's heartbreaking to have Pat be there and 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 oh really my God. realize that role and get into a fist fight with Sam Curtis. We didn't even talk about how not because uh, we don't really have that much time left. But just right. the, I just wanted I just wanted us to remind ourselves of that scene when Sam Curtis was literally asking for the locket back. Yeah. Yep. To pawn it, he was basically. literally. Yeah, he was gonna pawn the. <laughs> he was gonna pawn the locket that had it that his daughter had of his picture in there. Like, yeah, he's a piece of trash. So, and it's it was like a passing on. It was like the ending of that arc. That arc ends when Courtney takes off that locket and gives it back to her biological father. Because for the rest of the series, she doesn't have that locket anymore. Nope. Now it's time to make a new locket 
with a new picture. Pat. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's heart-wrenching because Pat was working hard because he loves Courtney. He loves Barbara. He wasn't working hard to get any sort of role or any sort of rank. But to when he's able to achieve that, I do think that it makes a world of difference. I do think that it's so cool. It's so it's so beautiful. Um, anything else about some of this about Stargirl? Um, I no, we we've covered all our bases. And odds are they'll be doing a season. Well, no, they are doing a season two. Um, and when that comes out, you know we'll be covering it. So any other crumbs that fell through the cracks, you guys let us know. I think you did a tremendous job covering all the bases, Dan the Comic Man. I guess you, maybe on you. our Patreon we'll cover our the Star Girl movie, and then we'll move forward. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll move, we'll move forward from there. But we have been able to, because of you guys and your support, we've been able to push through past 150 episodes. We're on 100 and 153 as of this recording, um, and to, with two annuals, so 155. Thank you guys so much. My lord, for your all your support, it's it's the reason why we're able to do things like this. Um, I I love this podcast as an outlet. I love having you on Dan, just geeking out about good stuff, and even sometimes geeking out about bad stuff. Um, I think that that's <laughs> what truly makes all this worth it, especially in in the unknown times like now. Uh, and yeah, man, if you want to listen to every episode of the Major Issues podcast. I would suggest going to comicbookclick.com. It's the one stop of everything that we do. Articles, information on the click, and our merch shop where you can buy masks, you can buy shirts, you can buy pens, you can buy books. No lockets there, but... You know, no lockets. We no have lockets. masks. But we're not trying to replace you guys. So, you know, come on. Uh, get some merch. Keep supporting the way come you do. On, That's it. Um, keep doing what you're doing because you're supporting and this is what's helping us grow. Uh, if you don't want to go to comicbookclick.com to listen to the podcast, maybe you just want to go there for the merch or for the uh, comments. Um, if you already have a podcast app, look for the Major Issues Podcast because we're available on every podcast app. Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts, ToonFind, iHeart, YouTube, Spotify, and more. Odds are if you have a podcast app on your phone, We'll be easy to find. Type in the Major Issues Podcast or type in the Major Issues Podcast into Google and we'll be the first ones to pop right up because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and the comic book media. But that's one half of the conversation. The things that we do and the things that we say, we want you guys to join the conversation. Tell us how you feel about Stargirl or any of the other episodes that we've done. You will uh, not only help us grow this conversation, you'll help us grow our uh, listening fan base as we become more interactive, which is what I'm hoping for the Major Issues podcast moving forward. We got we're almost encroaching on a new year, and this time last year I had no idea this year was going to be the way it was. So I'm hoping for the best moving forward. Um, if you can rate and review us on iTunes, that would be great. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like, what you don't like. Because I've been to the future and i've seen what we do become when we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media but i can't tell you don't how tell we them do, how they do that it. can't don't do, tell it. Them how do it i can't tell you oh, i'll mess up the timeline so jump on the bandwagon yeah, talk about the timeline <laughs> jump on the bandwagon uh and get on now while the getting's good cuz the getting's always going to be good um I mean, we'll always have room but you know we know who was there yes make we'll always know who was there make sure um like i said make sure you're following us on facebook 
dot com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, and use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic book and comic book media. All of those links are in the show notes. We're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter, and Dan, I am at Dan's Comics. Uh, on Instagram, D-A-N-S-C-O-M-I-C-S, CBC, Dance Comics, CBC on Instagram. Quickest way to find me, best way to communicate with me. I have everything there. Yeah. Yeah, we're all available. We're always talking about this stuff. So hit us up and let's talk some comics. But until next week, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Stargirl Season 1 I guess recap and review. And remember. Recap and review. <laughs> and remember, whether or not you have special power goggles, a converter belt, cosmic rod, whether you've had a bad relationship with your parents, or they're just good people like Pat, remember the stars, remember the stripes, remember we're comic book click, and remember, you, yes, you, are worthy. Are worthy.